All right. Good morning, class. Welcome to the uh, Art Eater and Friends podcast, number 38. Uh, so today, we're going to talk about the uh, continuing influences of uh, Kentaro Miura's Berserk. So, uh, Kentaro Miura tragically passed away on May 6th, uh, 2021. And, man, like, uh, so much of the world, uh, his fans, the creative world, we're, we're still reeling just from the, the shock of his death. Um, so last episode, uh, we talked about sort of our, our reaction to that stunning news um, and also, you know, our, our, our personal relationship with uh, Berserk. Just a, a very uh, meaningful, very amazing, uh, super influential series. Um, and today we're, we're going to dig more into uh, those influences. We're, we're going to talk about, um, you know, we're, we're going to, continue the celebration of Kentaro Miura's work by talking about um, just all the things that it's influenced. Uh, Berserk is just, not only is it one of the most popular comics ever, you know, I think it's sold over 40 million volumes worldwide. Um, it's also just one of the most influential stories of our times. Like it, it has become the standard for a dark fantasy. Um, and you, you, you see its influences in so many different things, so many movies, anime, comics, and especially video games. Some of the most popular video games ever, which we'll talk about today. Um, so many of them are super influenced by Berserk. Uh, yeah, but before we get too far, uh, let's do a quick roll call of uh, everyone that's here today. So I'm your host, uh, Richmond. I'm the founder of uh, Art Eater, which um, started as a blog uh, many years ago. You can visit it at uh, art-eater.com. Um, yeah, super happy to be here, and uh, also here with my co-host, Sean. Hello, I'm Sean. I'm always here I, uh, at the podcast. Um, I'm a career uh, UI UX designer, creative director. Uh, I lead the the design teams at NZXT currently, most PC gaming company. Um, I also write uh, about you know games and UX and other such things uh, of that nature. And... Uh, uh, overall, just uh, enjoy games and culture and retweeting what everyone on this fine podcast likes to retweet because they have really good taste. Thanks. All right. Uh, also with us is uh, our, our always special guest, uh, Adam. Hey, everyone. It's Adam. Pleased to be here once again. I'm a game and level designer, pixel artist, and international taekwondo fighter. I go by AJ as well, and you can find me on Twitter over there at, at AJMattis. Uh, I love to share and retweet all sorts of cool art and creative projects that I see. I'm very much into that. Uh, if anyone wants or needs any like pixel art-related advice, help, or work doing, I'm available there. I've uh, got some vacancies out at the moment, so that's going well. Please get in touch. And yeah, like I'm here. I'm very happy to be here. Let's get into it. All right, and then uh, very pleased to announce that uh, today we have the return of Professor Andy. Oh, All right, hello. Andy, uh, get, <laughs> go ahead and say a couple <laughs> things about yourself. Yeah, I'm Andy. I uh, teach like a world building and narrative design, and I enjoy researching history. Um, I think I got into it because of like all this anime and manga games that I grew up with, you know, just looking up where a lot of these, uh, like, ideas come from and going into, like, deep archetypes, you know, like, how many giant swords can you find in, in old history or, like, old stories? Yeah. Oh, man, we're going to dig into that today. So, um, yeah, Andy's also my brother and also the co-founder of Art Eater. Uh, he's been there from the beginning, just uh, 
given coming up with some of the most interesting uh you know facts and just articles that that, that uh, we've put out there so uh it's a huge pleasure to have professor andy back and he is an actual professor <laughs> it's not not just a nickname <laughs> Yeah, if, you're, cool. if you're ever enjoying uh, time with Andy and Richmond together, you will never run out of interesting things to hear. They're they're both uh, have such knowledge and uh, worldly things to talk about. It's always fun. All right, thank you. Yeah. All right, so let's get into it. Um, I, I just want to kick stuff off by uh, quoting uh, one of my favorite artists, Masahiro Ito. Um, so you know, we're we're talking about Berserk today, and uh, Masaru Ito, he was the uh, art director on Silent Hill Two, uh, main creature designer, came up with all the super iconic uh, monsters in, uh, yeah, in Silent Hill Two, um, yeah, the Pyramid Head, the the crazy nurses, uh, Valtiel, like this dude redefined you know horror for for. In, in the 2000s and on, like you still feel the influences of Silent Hill um, on, on, on movies and so many different things to this day. And so this is what Masahiro Ito had to say about Kentaro Miura. Uh, he tweeted this uh, about a week ago. He said, I guess the first person who made his human protagonist have a huge sword was Miura. So I have no choice but to say that the great knife slash scissor of Pyramid Head was inspired by the weapon of Guts from Berserk. Kentaro Miura, great thanks and rest in peace. So that's uh, that's pretty amazing because you would think, dude with a big sword, that's that's a pretty iconic thing, right? Like it's it's not exactly uncommon, you know. You'd think it was an archetype, but the dude with a giant, giant, massive, oversized sword, like that, starts with berserk, you know, um, visually at the very least. Like there, there's legends of heroes with huge swords. I go back way through the ages, but Berserk was the first uh, popular series with the main hero with just this giant, like ridiculously huge sword that he uses to cut down even like more giant, you know, uh, horrific uh, enemies that otherwise are just like, you know, way too big for any human to take on. So just that one thing alone, it's like has had such huge reverberations through uh, pop culture. So let, let, let's dig into that. You know, what what are some heroes with giant swords? Well, Other, I was going to say yeah. it's also uh, how they treat the sword as part of the character, right? Um, the, mm. the weight of the sword. Uh, it, it's not quite to say that the sword's a character, but uh, the, when, when you look at like uh, you know a weapon as part of a character design, it's uh, it's usually not as pronounced, or it's you know they might be known for using a specific type of one, but there's I don't know, there's something about the way that uh, specifically that uh, guts handled the sword the, in terms of the influence of characters with giant swords that uh, the, the sword is as much a part of uh, is as much its own character it has its own presence in scenes or as part of the character versus like just being a element of the design yeah it was, um, what, let, let me find the quote uh, the quote to introduce the dragon slayer uh, you know, Guts' iconic sword. It was um, when it's introduced, the na- narration goes, uh, it was too big to be called a sword. Massive, thick, heavy, and far too rough. Indeed, it was a heap of raw iron. Uh, that, that's uh, that's Guts' <laughs> signature weapon. Yeah, it just just such a powerful and like iconic introduction. Just not only just like to a character, but to to a concept, like to an idea, right? Like 
having the actual strength, obviously, as we know, like the story of Guts, he was always, you know, carrying around things that were much larger than he was ever since, you know, like birth, really, and being small and being part of a part of a group of mercenaries, they, you know, handed him an adult-sized sword. And, you know, ever since then, that was his, like, dragon slayer, in a sense. It was a sword yeah. that was, you know, man-sized, but he could only just barely wield it. And he was sort of something like a very small child trying to swing around this huge, huge thing. And then we see the evolution of that same idea of that same concept of that same, in essence, you know, trying to find out who and what you are while still swinging around this again, this big weapon, this big sword, but this time it's more, it's, it's more dense. It's much greater than anything that any other normal man, woman, anyone else could carry. So yeah, it's very, very fitting that, um, that the same type of thing would happen again, only for like an older guts. It's, it's very, very cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, calling it uh, a heap of raw iron, I think that's like that's like one of the first things you read in the manga. And uh, Mira said in interviews, like uh, when he started Berserk, he he didn't know exactly how it, it would end. Like he didn't even have a uh, Griffin in there yet. So mm. it's kind of like how he was approaching his story too. It's like uh, how do you get everyone's attention? You just have this heap of raw you know manga with awesome violence awesome violence <laughs> and then uh but calling it raw it's also like it's unfinished but it also means it has potential that's not set it's like as the chapters go on you know he's hammering that berserk into like a very honed sharp story and even even in the story like uh way later you get into how like uh Every demon he's killed with a dragon slayer, it's making, uh, it's like infusing the demon's essence with the sword. So it started off as a heap of raw iron, but it's like being refined through uh, the adventure and all the demons it's killed until it becomes like a magic sword itself. Becomes, I, uh, I, finished. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I got chills when they explained that, that that through his own actions as a human, like fighting against fate, he creates a magical weapon. Yeah? Yeah. Like, like he creates, his sword is powering up with him. He's creating something that will eventually one day, like, strike down the god hand themselves. It's it's awesome. <laughs> I love it. That's such a meta idea yeah. that, you know, it's kind of like when you, when there's like, almost like time travel themes of like something needs to go on the journey in order to fulfill the history that it actually becomes part of. But then, yeah. but it also like, it has to go on the journey. It doesn't just, it isn't just fate. It has to fight against it like this, th that idea that um, the, the journey is what humans it into the, the legend it becomes kind of idea. That's really yeah. like, <laughs> that's really circular in a very, uh, I don't know, nuanced way. It's a testament to uh, Mura's writing ability. He he lit like Andy pointed out. Like he literally described it as a heap of raw iron at the beginning of the story. Uh. Yeah, and uh, you know, so few games actually have that as a mechanic. You know, like if you have a dragon slaying sword in a game, it's like well, it was made to kill dragons, or even like uh, adventure. You know, creating your own story game like Dungeons and Dragons. There's a uh, None of the core editions ever go like, oh, you know, a dragon slaying sword isn't like somebody killed a dragon with it and it became a dragon slaying sword. It's more like, oh, somebody made a, a wizard made a dragon slaying sword 
go find it. Mm. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in reverse. Yeah, but do you know what game actually? Do you know what game actually does it this way though? No. What? Go ahead. What Vag- game? Uh, Vagrant Story. Oh yeah. Oh. oh. Interesting. Really? Yeah. I don't remember yeah, that like, aspect of it. It it has like this crazy in depth like weapon forging system where and then like the weapons like they kind of like they get better at killing what you kill with them. So oh. you might like save a sword only for killing uh, undead or like save a spear only for killing dragons and then it'll just become a specialized dragon slaying spear or like the un- undead slaying sword. That's how that works in Vagrant Story? Hmm. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. That, yeah. That, that's interesting that you brought that up because I always wondered if uh, maybe Mira was a big influence on Natsuno. Like, I, I think there's other games way more obvious, but I, I always felt like the the dark fantasy aspect of Berserk was uh, present in you know uh, Natsuno's work, like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics or Vagrant Story, where um, much like Berserk, the supernatural elements uh, they creep up on you, right? They they feel uh, supernatural like wh- when they happen the characters themselves are, are quite shocked yeah it's uh it's in that way it's it's kind of like you know how the real world works you know like being the guy who figures out like what a you know the table of elements is he's like my god i can turn lead into gold mm. <laughs> Just in terms of references there as well, I wanted, to, I wanted to mention something quite seemingly quite random, but my, my best friends have been playing through over the past year the Devil May Cry series, and we did just mention like Itsuno just earlier in our prior talk. And honestly, like Devil May Cry is rife with like little nods and like cues to Berserk and stuff. Like you oh, know, yeah. like Dutch, like Dante is also kind of like a sword for hire, who has like a penchant for like really big blades. Like they both fight like unspeakable like demons and creatures, and the atmospheres again are built out of very dark and gothic, very brooding settings. It's it's got this mixture of like very uh, so many things, and there are lots of like small like Berserk influences within them. One, for example, which I have always thought was very interesting. I just found an image about this right now but um the gems that we acquire like in the story they look like behelots like do you know what i mean oh, like, yeah. yeah like the old like the old like the souls like they, they they have the same kind of like the screaming crying face and all the rest of it and it just it's very very interesting how that as an idea the idea of like a, a face in agony on an item or the item being comprised of this uh, anguished face we see this all of the time we, we see it in um in Yu-Gi-Oh in in the jar of greed and pot of greed we see it in so yeah. many different things and I think it's really interesting that this idea has been you know sort of like born out of berserk and then you know sprinkled onto so many other things I like it a lot yeah Oh, um, on a... Wait, can I mention something about Devil May Cry's Dante first? Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Uh, um, not related to Berserk, but, uh, like, y'all remember, like, Wesley Snipes as Blade? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like, that was kind of like a movie to have, like, katanas and swords and trench coats and, like, this monster hunter from the city with his one-liners and his his belts across his chest like mm. right after blade came out is when that uh resident evil like uh concept of like resident evil three or four would be like oh it would feature like vampire hunters and the concept art became uh, devil may cry like it sounded mm. like wacky at the time 
but then it's like right after Blade comes out and Blade was about, oh, this is the secret world of monsters. And here's a guy with a gun and a sword and a stylish <laughs> right. coat. Yeah. And he's going to go kill him. <laughs> yeah. But then Resident yeah. Evil seems to be heading there again now with like more and more crazy monsters every game. Yeah. So I think, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So back to Berserk. You're okay. saying it's <laughs> I wanted to, yeah. to add, um, we're talking about Itsuno. I'll, I'll actually post a link on Twitter. Um, Itsuno gave a talk at uh, GDC 2019 where he talked about Devil May Cry. Um, I think I don't think it was the keynote, but it was a, it was a speech about uh, the influences in it. And he talks pretty extensively about Berserk in that talk. Um, I'm sure you can go find it. It was like 2019. Um, okay. I was yeah. talking about part five. He is talking about part five. I think the title of the talk is creating a standout action game, Devil May Cry five, but he talks pretty extensively about uh, the influence of Berserk in creation of uh, Devil May Cry as a series. Awesome. I have not actually heard it recently, so I'm not at liberty to be able to quote exactly what's in the talk. I just know uh, a lot about where um, it's, you know, has so many influences in his work, obviously, Dragon's Dogma literally has Guts and Griffith armor in the game, among yeah. other millions oh, yeah, of references. Like an actual licensed uh, Italian, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Dragon's Dogma also really uh, has that kind of like Capcom dark fantasy feel that I, I think if there if there were like a RPG like that, that it would have a very similar art style. It, like it were, if it were like a if there were a Berserk game that were presented in the same RPG style as Dragon's Dogma, I feel like it would have that art style. It's uh, very referential to the dark fantasy like feel. Yeah, I mean, um, just the, the overall aesthetic of uh, Dragon's Dogma is very uh, berserk-like. Um, the, the way that it's, you know, it's very stylized, but it's actually quite grounded in, uh, you know, real cultures, real real armor. Like, it, it's bit more realistic looking than uh, most most of your uh, fantasy games out there um and then you know there's certain characters that are like direct call outs to to berserk like uh, mercedes is is definitely like an homage to casca right and mm-hmm. um oh yeah speaking yeah, of which, uh, Soul which Calibur the oh yeah is there in, in dragon's dogma right yeah yeah, mm. yeah. But I think uh, famously from the the talk going back to because I don't want to skip too much over Devil May Cry, uh, okay. he definitely mentioned the the idea of uh, things a fourteen year old would find cool as as something related to how he experienced Berserk. Ah, no, of nice. course, of course. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting as well, just because again, like we all, um, yeah, in many ways, again, just in terms of like how long it is that Berserk had been going for. Again, I was born in like '96. A lot of this had already been like previously established for many years prior to my own actual birth, anyway. And like this is, um, you know, like this is this is my not only just like my, you know, my childhood and all the rest of it, but this is my my pre-birth. Do you know what I mean? This was already like set in in stone that people were being inspired from like but way before anything that I could even like you know begin to know or comprehend. So like having grown up with like more so like the influences of people influenced by Berserk, for example. So for example, I. I knew about Cloud Strife before I knew about Guts. Do you know what I mean? 
So like it, it's yeah. it's a it, it's an extra interesting thing just for me to look back and be like oh oh it's sort of like you know you end up going backwards twice on yourself kind of and thinking oh wait these people that like I'm inspired by here they were inspired by this I'm also inspired by it's very like I know that you know like sort of in, inception type of a thing but it, it's super interesting to look back on and see the you know the, the digital fingerprints if you will of Berserk in so many different IPs and in so many different areas of what it is that we're all interested in and that I myself have been interested in so. So, yeah, very very cool. Yeah, like uh, yeah. Cloud and definitely you know influenced by Berserk. Uh, even like uh, I looked up like you know when before Final Fantasy VII came out, you know the promo art how they were they were presenting it, and uh, so like guts to Cloud their weapons that's pretty obvious. Uh, but then like Griffith to Sephiroth, it's uh, their swords mm. are different, but they're holding it in a very similar way in that uh, it's uh, up to their face with the edge to the side. And that's like Cloud and Sephiroth's stance seems uh, to, to echo like the first time Griffith and Guts fought each other. Like uh, Griffith, he had his, uh, his saber, you know, uh, the edge like angled upward or to the side and like by his face while Guts was holding a huge sword, you know, right in front of himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah so that cool. that rivalry and you know Sephiroth is like just the golden child. Like everyone loved him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the long flowing white hair, just just sort of this aura of perfection. The the, the um, pretty boy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the pretty boy. Although in in this case they switched their statues, right now now uh, yes. Sephiroth is a giant dude like with the guts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's if Griffith was like built like guts instead. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Very, very scary combination. I just want to say one more thing as well. Just um, since we were talking about um, like Capcom earlier, I, f- I found something. I've, I'm still like, I'm finishing off bits of like research right now even. I just found something really interesting. Like the uh, the idea, like um, obviously, whilst it's never been stated before, but like Akuma and like Nosferatu Zod, their, um, their similarities are quite striking now I've been thinking about it. The way in which like, they're both antagonized protagonists. They, you know, they, 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 they exist in a sense to seek uh, worthy opponents. They're, you know, prone to this otherworldly rage and anger. Both proficient at fighting on uh, a godly level. Like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's very interesting. And obviously, as well as just, you know, those um, emotional and like mental similarities they're both you know visibly like hulking figures that love to be alone stand on top of cliffs and brood and you know they also have very beastly appearances they've got a very you know like downturned um like set of eyebrows that you know glow with like these red you know uh, vengeance filled eyes and all the rest of it with hair that's very similar to each other's as well with the sort of you know that sort of flowing upward almost like almost like that kind of classic old older style like blowout type of look almost they they, they really do um remind me of each other now that I think about it some more. Like, what, what do you guys think about this? Akuma and Zod? Okay. Oh, uh, totally. Well, they're definitely drawing from uh, the same source, like uh, Buddhist guardian statues with, like, the uh, furrowed brow and, you know, uh, like, yeah. veiny muscles and, mm-hmm. um, like, when uh, Zod appears, like, he he's wielding a, a sword that's, like, more more Eastern than everything else that showed up in, you know, that Western fantasy setting. And uh, looking up that style of sword, I found, like, uh, oh, a Ram Dao. It's a 
Nepalese, uh, you know, executioner sword for like sacrificing animals and chopping their heads off. And it's wow. got like an eye engraved into the blade, similar to uh, Zod's sword. And then, you know, Nepal is where Buddhism originated and spread, and along with Buddhist imagery, like the guardian deities. So, uh, yeah. Like, you can also find uh, those Akuma, the, the statues that like inspired Akuma, like, they show up a lot in Fist of the North Star. And, you know, they're also in like temples in Japan. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Neo Guardian uh, statues. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. so that seems to be the connection. And then uh, later on in Berserk, when you have uh, Seelot, like, he showed up and then he shows up again later with his guardians. And they are very literally like those uh, Lokapala guardian statues. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think there is a good chance. I mean, definitely Akuma is is directly referencing uh, the Neo Guardian imagery, which is going to be very familiar to any uh, East Asian uh, Buddhist. But um, I think Berserk was you know reaching its popularity probably around the time Akuma was created. That must have been around like ninety four. I think Berserk would have been running for four or five years then. So um, it's quite possible that Nosferatu Zod uh, sort of planted that seed. And then they, you know, of course, they, they, they also drew on uh, Buddhist imagery uh, for uh, Akuma. Um, but I think it's it's also really interesting that the, um, the Neo-Guardian, it has its roots in, uh, so the deity is originally uh, Vajrapani. Um, and Vajrapani was actually uh, how the Kushan Empire incorporated Hercules or Heracles into the Buddhist pantheon. Um, and of course, the Kushan, <laughs> that's an empire that actually does show up in Berserk. So I, I don't know how intentional this all is, but it's just really, isn't it interesting that like it's it's all connected, right? Well, on the Kushan Vajrapani, like, uh, I think it's it's more that the uh, the Greeks called it Hercules because it's like oh it's like a guy with a club but then if you go like you know where's Hercules from well he's the uh, Greek interpretation of you know Gilgamesh and all of his oh. old artwork is like a dude with a club fighting monsters and then oh. occasionally you know he has a monster companion so that goes back even it further. could be okay. even further because uh, a lot of the uh, Vatrapani is like equivalent of Hercules, it comes from uh, the Greek writer saying in India, like, oh, uh, Alexander's soldiers, they found uh, worshippers of Hercules in this Greek village, but then, uh, okay. uh, or I mean, in this Indian village, but that would mean that uh, before Alexander was there, they already had this Vajrapani figure, or this Gilgamesh-like mm. figure, and then they were relating it to, like, well, he's got a club and he's got muscles, maybe he's Hercules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. Like the Zod imagery is going like way back to wow. to like things we don't really know. Yeah. It's going into prehistory. Um There's so much Gilgamesh is one of the original well, just one of the original stories, period. But um he is yeah. like one of the original dudes with a giant sword, isn't he? Didn't he wield like giant well, weapons? No, he's, he's got like a, a club. Oh, a club? Um, okay. It's usually right, a club. I guess swords weren't yeah. as common in um, when you go back that it's, far. Um, this is a, this is Bronze Age, so like yeah. making a two-handed sword was uh, 
impossible for a long time until uh, it was the first two-handed sword seemed to come from like uh, Warring States China. That's where the earliest, uh, you know, digging up a sword that you could say is like, you know, this is a two-handed sword. It has a long grip. It's made for two hands. So it shows up at that time. Mm. And, uh, and those, you know, spread around the world, I guess. Well, actually, no, it's usually iron swords where, like, two-handed swords show up, like, outside of China, because it, uh, it was, like, a very specific way of making the bronze and the shape of the sword that was quite amazing. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah, like, I, I think that's kind of one of the things where it's like, if, you, if we traveled back in time and we showed, you know, some Greeks, Nosferatu, Zod, they would probably go, is that Hercules? That's cool. And if we showed, like, ancient Indians, they'd be like, is that Rajapani? And then if we, like, went all the way back to, like, ancient Sumeria, maybe we create the Gilgamesh legend. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's so cool. It's so, so cool. It's one yeah. of my favorite things, just knowing the fact that, like, we do indeed have all of these different, you know, crossovers with different cultures, with different, like, religions, with different areas of, you know, like, history from, like, around the world. We all have these basic, like, ideas of, like, a concept itself, and then it just extends and stretches throughout time and gets warped, and it's like a long game of, you know, telephone, like, when someone, like, says one yeah. thing and someone else says another thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I find it so deeply fascinating. It's, it's great. It really, really is. Yeah, that's oh, that's what it's all about. See, going back a little bit to Vajrapani, like um, the Chinese artwork of Vajrapani, and then I guess what goes to Japan, like his his uh, thunderbolt. It like it's more uh, it's more sword like it's more bladed, and then he gets associated with this uh, Chinese like legendary warrior figure who um it's like instead of uh like seeking like glory in war he decides to like take up his i guess thunderbolt sword and and just like protect like a a girl that he is fond of and they go adventure together it's like ah that, mm -hmm. that kind of feels like the latter half of dessert like it's probably, probably not a direct inspiration but it's more like uh like these kinds of uh like stories and archetypes just kind of echo and repeat in different ways. Yeah. Like the image of a warrior protecting a, a nice lady, and then he's got like a cool two-handed weapon to show how big and strong he is. Definitely. It's like when, um, yeah. it's like in that one scene where Goods cuts the head off that like possessed horse. And then, like, he cuts, like, through the head, like, so cleanly. But then he stops, like, right as the, um, right as the sword, you know, would be about to hit, like, the, the lady he's about to protect. He's protecting. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's, like, we, it's another yeah. thing as well. We do, we do this all the time, like, in, um, like, in training in Taekwondo. It's, like, there are so many areas where, like, we have to demonstrate, like, precision and control and timing and all the rest of it. But we do a thing called, well, we, we basically do like, attacks at each other. And then, like, we, you know, we block them going forwards, we block them going backwards, and we do strikes and all the rest of it. But one of the main points about that is you're not supposed to actually hit, like, the other person. So you're supposed to get, like, as close as possible. Yeah. But without actually, you know, hitting them. So, like, it yeah. takes a long time. And over years and years and periods of time, you're able to do it. But, like, you end up just getting to the point 
point where you can like whip like elbows and like fists and like finger strikes and like kicks and all the spinning shots and all the rest of it past people and you trust each other so much that it becomes second nature that you know that they're not going to hit you and like you know that you're not going to hit them but like these attacks are moving like a really quick speed and all the rest of it and it's it's that it's that um it's it's that ability to show that level of control that really it, it's quite amazing just when you think about it from like a from martial artist like standpoint like reading berserk and watching what it is that goods is actually doing because like he's again he's calculating the distance between not just like the uh the opponent's like body and like the uh and, and the and the person who wants to protect like body but like he's calculating the distance of like his actual sword and like how hard he needs to swing it and then stop right away like the you know the the speed it would take to be able to cut through but then also the strength it would take to pull back just enough and then you know stop the motion clean like it's very very impressive just thinking about that in terms of like you know real reality how that would be how hard that would be to do and just again just uh in terms of Miura's mind just thinking about that and how easily um it's portrayed and then obviously the the skill it takes to be able to pull that off like artistically as well and thematically it, it really is amazing it makes me think a lot about how in Miura's life I wonder if he did any martial arts at all or if he was ever really you know actually into doing anything like that because it takes a lot to be able to think about these things on that kind of a level so I've, I've, that's just a tangent but I've, I've always thought about and wondered about that myself yeah um in in some interviews uh, he's been asked that and uh from what i remember like he said like he didn't really study martial arts but he has friends that does right which I don't know, maybe that means he did, and then, like, because he's, like, super humble and always said that, oh, the only thing he was better at than his friends was drawing. <laughs> uh, but he's definitely got, like, tons of reference books for it, and um, even, like, uh, the technique of stopping a sword where you want it to stop, like, uh, that's practiced a lot in, like, in kendo land, uh, you know, like, the way to grip your sword so you can... You know, smack someone on the head, but not like smash their head, so like you don't concuss your training partner. Mm. Uh, sometimes, like it's called like associated with like tenouchi, which is like uh, the the gripping and uh, like using your lower fingers to squeeze the sword. Like some will describe it as a breaking motion, in that like uh, your sword can't like go any further as long as like your hands are in place and your arms are in place. Mm. And, like, the scene where uh, Guts beheads that horse, like, uh, his, um, his arms are pretty locked in place. Like, he is using, like, uh, he is breaking, he knows where his sword is going to stop. Like, his mm. arms, uh, are as extended as they can be to cut the horse, and they're not going to drop any lower. But then there's also scenes where you see, like, where Guts, it's not like he doesn't, care to stop his sword but you can see that like uh he's purposefully letting this the momentum of the sword pull him and it's i think it's in the very first chapter of berserk where like after they describe that sword like somebody picks a fight with him and he cuts him in half like, yeah, I just put uh, that in. yeah it looks like like his his foot is sliding across the ground right mm-hmm. so it's like it, he, he used that. his sword yeah yeah he so that's that's when he wants to just cleave someone completely in half and like yeah. smash through the floor. Absolutely, it, it's all about again like the pivoting and the momentum. Like I've mentioned this, I'll, maybe I'll yeah I'll, I'll maybe I'll have to post about it sometime actually. But like one of my favorite um, 
like kicks to do. It's a it's a tornado kick, so it's a 360 kick. Like the way that you have to set your body up to to spin quickly and like hit somebody before they can like react. Like it's exactly like this. Like the way that Guts would have to like move himself to position and then like get the momentum enough to you know like really generate a powerful swing and then let the sword kind of carry the rest of it and then control it afterwards. Like it's it's all I can like think about really whenever I'm like whenever I like uh, I'm spinning and kicking people. It's like it's that same kind of a thing because yeah. you can't just you can't just spin and then like you know do nothing. You have to actively like. Like, be in a position where okay i'm spinning here i'm gonna get my leg ready at this point and it's gonna move and then like you have to have to account for their movement too and all the rest of it like it, it's all the rest of that and it, it just yeah it, it really amazes me when you see how it is that guts fights and utilizes his um his, his whole body and like his positioning his ankles his feet his pivoting his you know his his weight distribution all of it, it it's very clear that this was um drawn and thought of with all of that in mind he's not just swinging aimlessly or even though it kind of like if you think about it like it would look like that wouldn't it right like it, you'd focus yeah. more on the on the body being dismembered and the the gushes of blood and sinew and guts and all the rest of it but he's actually he's a very technical and very clever fighter he's he's very he's someone who's very like methodical and very very much you know well trained and honed in their skill they don't just swing around this sword aimlessly or even though it could you know to an untrained eye to anyone just looking and flipping pages like it would look like that but yeah they, they, he swings with intention and, and it's drawn with intention as well it's just really interesting yeah. the way that the character yeah. mirrors the author in that in that regard the, yeah, there's actually a part in early on in in berserk where um when when guts is uh, fighting the first uh possessed uh, apostle and um uh puck and this old man are watching, and the, the the apostle is swinging a spear with his tentacle arm like faster than they can keep track of, and Guts is just parrying everything. And that's when Puck is like, "Oh my God! Like he's not just strong; he's not just swinging that wildly. Like this guy is a master swordsman." Um, mm -hmm. And you know, they, 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 all the build up and the way it's drawn, like it really makes you believe in all that. I, I love how in in a lot of the the depictions also that the that guts is always strong and controlled, but that you can always see that the, the dragon slayer is moving. It's always got these really technical speed lines um, in terms of like showing the action. And, and yet like it doesn't show guts having speed lines at all. He's always uh, solid, which uh, at first I was yeah. like, Oh, maybe it's just the frame I'm looking at, but I started looking at a bunch of other ones and that's usually how the dragon slayer is uh, depicted. Um, usually, Usually, guts has a very strong pose, and the sword itself oh. is is depicted as moving with, uh, again, like uh, when we talked last episode about the level of detail, um, it, like down to the pixel. But you can even see it on on the dragon slayer. It's always rendered with these like very technical speed lines, uh, but they're not. But they're they're very controlled. They're uh, they're almost like a. Um, uh, I don't know why the it's not stippling. It's the other the other thing where it's almost like a controlled cross patch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So yeah, uh, it's uh, even even in the the way that he depicts it via the art style, it tells the story. It's really cool. Yeah, you're right. He's always in control. Yeah, it's very consistent. And you know, the, the, when he is blurred, it's going to be like he's going nuts, <laughs> right? Like it's going to be something special. Oh yeah, That's really like good he point. Nuts, his face is all blurry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he does the go to guy like berserk devil man face. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so can I take us on a really, really weird tangent that has Let's to go. do with sure. Amira's art style, but I think it brings us back yes, to his influences. Okay, so yeah. we're we're talking a lot about um, like the 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 crosshatch and the the way that he renders things, and I I actually think that um, mm-hmm. I don't think this has ever been like well documented. All I've seen discussions online that, and I, I again I also mentioned it last episode that I think that there is a decent amount of influence to Mira uh, from. Dante's Inferno from the Divine Comedy, and specifically in how Gustav Dore rendered it. Um, I feel like a lot of the techniques that we're talking about with with Guts can also be seen in Dore's depiction of... um, of the of the basically not not of just Dante's Inferno of the entire Divine Comedy, I mean if you look at uh, Dore's work, it looks so much like what the Berserk series looks like. Uh, I feel like there's even like a further connection <laughs> where it goes all the way back to the influences to Devil May Cry, which is obviously very influenced by the Divine Comedy with characters like Dante and Virgil. Um, but I, yeah. I actually I, I yeah. always I, I'm always um, it's too bad. Well, we may never know unless there was an interview. But I, I always wondered if. Uh, Mira was very interested in in Dore's depiction because because the Divine Comedy is also about a journey, uh, like it's also about like kind of a spiritual journey through hell in terms of uh, the ideas of sin and fate and whatnot. So I, I don't think it's like as much of a direct reference, but I it's one of those things we were talking about how everything seems related and connected, and I wonder if this is an influence. And I think most artists, <clears throat> most most artists that study like technical skill probably end up looking at Dore at some point you yeah. know so oh, I, yeah. I just i was noticing a lot of connections there that seem like they're probably not coincidences for for sure i mean um berserk is very detailed right like you talk about hatching and stuff but it's also super clean right like from the start it, it's a pristine uh comic and that, that's what like just the, the, the older I get, the more I look back on Berserk as an entirety, and it's like, my goodness, it's not just that it's detailed, but like every inch of it is so controlled. And um, yeah, like I, I definitely get that similar sense from, uh, you know, Gustave Dore and his amazing prints. And like you said, I think anyone who gets really into um, just not just high craft, but like highly imaginative uh, art, like you're, you're going to get into to Dore because that, that dude was amazing. Him and his, actually, him and his print shop, it's like a mangaka and his assistants because he, he also had assistants, <laughs> right? That he, yeah. he directed and led. It, it's actually very analogous. Um, yeah. And of course, like, oh my gosh, like Sean is, as we're chatting, posting at different images. Uh, Dory's definitely left a huge imprint on, on fantasy art in general. Like the way he depicted uh, Satan with the, the furry wings that no real life animal has, you know, like, like that, that's, um, yeah, like Zod has wings like that, you know, and uh, just sort of all, all the angelic imagery um, that's been passed down, like definitely in, I, yeah, on the manga side of things through like uh, Go Nagai stuff, like Devil Man, and uh, I, I know like um, just another super detailed uh, art artist, um, another uh, mangaka that's also known for for doing super detailed comics and also taking long hi- hiatuses between work is uh, uh, Kazushi Hagiwara, you know, artist of Bastard, um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and he's also he he directly references uh, Gustav Dore all the time, like. T- to the point where he will just straight up take a Gustave Doré print and put it right 
into the comic, like referencing it super <laughs> unambiguously saying like, yes, this is like what, what is influencing me. Um, but, uh, by the way, uh, but, did, um, did bastard, it came out before berserk, right? Um, it did, but not that much long. Well, like, when did bastard debut? And Shonen Jump. Uh, it was in the 80s. Um, I, I want to say, so uh, Berserk debuted in 1989, and Bastard debuted in 88, just, just, just one year before, actually. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're pretty much contemporaries. Wow. Amazing. I tend to think of Bastard as uh, older, just because I, I think I, I found out about it when I was younger, because it was in Shonen Jump. Yeah. Even though it's extremely not appropriate for kids, it somehow made it into Shonen Jump for years and years. Yeah, but they're, yeah. they're contemporaries. To clarify for listeners in terms of influences, uh, Gustav Doré is like an artist from the 1800s. So it's uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. talking about um, uh, Bastard and Berserk around similar times, but they could definitely be influenced by, yeah. <laughs> by these I kind of yeah, things. Sure. Just very, very quickly about that. Um, just you know, old depictions of like hell and like and torture mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. Again, like when we think about like Moses is like you know like torture and like the uh, the idea of um, a, a religious uh, madman in a sense, you know, uh, burning and torturing, hanging and quartering like people who considered to be heretics and witches and all the rest of it. Like we've seen this throughout history, of course, but just the way it's you know it's 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 portrayed with such this gritty and like painful like realism and a very like literal sense of just how gruesome and awful a, a place like that would be i think that that's one of the one of the best depictions of, of, a, of a type of torture or of a place like that from a historical standpoint that i've seen in, in anything really because like you know um again being from England, this was a thing which was very, very, very much the the uh, the norm here for quite a long period. We have still, you know, uh, like places which you can visit today that are, you know, tourist attractions in London, for example, that, you know, are places where many people used to be tortured and killed and many, many people would die there. And we mm-hmm. go to them now, you know, as tourist destinations and places to take nice pictures and everything. But it shows us just like the grittiness and that bloody and painful and really quite awful um, how varied those forms of tortures were and how creative in a sense as well those those characters were in terms of how they would cause pain to other characters it it just makes it makes me think a lot about how just again thinking of those older artists and their own depictions of hell and torture i wonder how mira was influenced by those and then how in turn mira's influences could have gone on and likely wrote very likely have gone on to influence other people's depictions or even imaginings of, of hell or what a, what a torturous place could really look like it's very, it's very interesting. Yeah. Talk. Yeah. Um, I found the, uh, a line from a mirror interview where he, uh, covers what, like you guys just mentioned, uh, it goes, Mira says, I appreciate both, uh, Bosch and Escher of which I also have the collections of the works, but moreover, I like the etchings of Peter, the young Bruegel author of obsessive representations of infertile scenes. That's the, uh, trans- the translation note. And Gustave Doré. Well, among nice. the illustrators I admire are Frank Frazetta and Lewis Morrison. That is not surprising at all. Absolutely amazing. As a slight I, aside, I, I, go ahead. I was going to say, as a slight aside, I tried to uh, 
do a master copy of Gustav Dore when we were in college, and it took me like four weeks. Uh, it, it like it's one of those ones where just like with Mira's work, the more you look at it and the more you get into it, the more detail, and and you get to a point where you're like, what human did this? Why? How? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so anyway so I, I have a similar opinion about uh Frazetta's yeah. work as well like it, it uh there's parts of it that, that it's almost like a good gesture like it, at, at first it seems very um very easy to execute but then the more you look at it the more you start realizing the level of talent on display mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah um on frank Frazetta, i just like read this interview from uh, one of the the warhammer fantasy artists uh he was John Blanche. He was talking about his influences and how when he was like young and arrogant, he's like, ah, I don't like Frazetta. He just doodles them out. They're too fast. But then when he tried to do it, he's like, Jesus Christ, this guy's a genius. <laughs> like all of his strokes are perfect for just conveying the fun of being a painting made by, by Frank Frazetta, this handsome and muscular man who's just looking in the mirror, drawing barbarians of himself. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it really is so amazing. It really, really is. Oh man, oh, so much to cover today. I know I'm getting um, lost in these. I'm getting lost in these um, in these pieces. I'm just I'm just looking at a bunch of them right now. It's just um, uh, just this this level of artistry takes such a long time to cultivate, and it takes so much dedication yeah. and time and skill and effort and consistency, and it's just um. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that I've been in a period of like life that this has been like you know accessible to me because I'm I'm just really in awe every yeah. time I see this. It makes me it makes me feel happy that like I've been you know like alive to see it. Really, it really does quite simply. I'm just really um yeah yeah. Every time I see this, it, just breathes new new um, inspiration and new life into me, man. It's just, it's great. I just I, I totally agree. <laughs> I'm just happy to be able to experience this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, where, where where should we go next? What 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 do we want to cover? Um, so I think today we're we're going to focus more on what Berserk has influenced. Um, but man, it is fun to talk about what has influenced Berserk as well. Um, I want to show something very quickly. It's, it's yeah, very yeah, very like, it's it. very very short and small, but uh, I think it's something that's quite cool. So yeah, you mentioned like comic books earlier in comics, and I am someone who found my first sort of footing in creativity in a lot of comics. I used to make my own back when I was like really really little, and I used to like show them off in, in primary school over here, and people liked them. And then all through high school, I was always drawing. I was always very interested in comic books and all the rest of it, of course. Anyway, and. I think that one of the most interesting things when we talk about like comic books and how it is how influential they can be, it, it, it's uh, it's the covers that, that we see, right? When, when we don't know anything about like the artist behind them, when we don't know anything about who it is that's you know really making them, when we've not really even looked at a comic book before, the first thing that we see is the cover. And one of them, I'm just gonna find it right now. I'm just gonna go through. I have like a billion and one tabs open. One second. <laughs> But yeah, the, basically, I'll, I'll explain before I show then. There is a comic that has, um, I think it's a Captain America or Captain Falcon one. And it's um, it has like Femto like referenced it, referenced in it. I'll, I'll find it very quickly. But um, it's very it's just very cool to think about the ways in which like we see these characters and they just reference so consistently in mediums which you wouldn't really think. I found it cool. In mediums which you wouldn't really think that you would see them in. So, for example, like we don't really see or hear like... Um, 
about Berserk specifically, like from Marvel, obviously. But I mean, this is just so clear right here, right? Like what it is that you can kind of like see. It's, it's oh, Sam. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see what I mean? Like, this, this is Sam Wilson, and then like it's yeah. um yeah, it's 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 just peak like it's femto exactly. Like it's got it's got the exact type of a uh, type of a body shape, the helmet, the wing like feathers, obviously because obviously it's a new Falcon, but also obviously we as we know femto has wings anyway. But yeah, it's like. This is something that I would have seen back in, let's say, what, it published 2016, yeah. So I think before we even actually got to talking, even Richmond, really, but I mean, like, back around this kind of a time, like, I was, again, massively into manga still. I was just, I was just getting my feet, like, mm-hmm. wet in it, in, per se. But, yeah, I, I'm really impressed by just how much it was loved by so many people across so many different disciplines and how that love was reciprocated and shown, like, outwardly. So, yeah, if you want yeah. to talk about something, there's one. Yeah, a cool Marvel cover. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's Marvel. It's, you know, superheroes like Mm -hmm. American, you know, DC Marvel. And, and we can instantly go, this guy with a cape looks like he's from Berserk instead of the Mm -hmm. 1 million other caped dudes that we've seen. Like that's, but, um, what he just brought up though, like, uh, made you think, Hey, uh, isn't, isn't Femto like pretty much the gotcha man dude? with his helmet mm, mm. Um, and then there's five members of of god hand and there's one girl and there's like a little guy and a wide guy and oh my god and like a tall guy that that's brainy that. so the god hand is gotcha man <laughs> <laughs> could be um so so femto's helmet uh, is, is directly taken from an old 1974 movie called phantom of the paradise it's like mm-hmm. a weird you know, a musical comedy horror, like just a very strange movie. Um, uh, so uh, that, that, that is a deep cut that, that Mira went with there. Um, so, you know, he, he kind of plucks things from other places too. But then, then that, that movie, that movie came out in 1974 and then Gotcha Man was uh, 1972. Oh yeah. 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 Gotcha Man is mm. definitely like the, one of the earliest, uh, Bird helmeted. Um, oh, yeah, designs by Yoshitaka Amano, of course. But yeah. the dude is a oh legend. God. Yeah, like oh. everyone thinks it's Final Fantasy today. But it's like, oh, before Final Fantasy, you know, starting when he was a teenager, he made like the most iconic anime characters of the <laughs> 70s. Um, another legend. Uh, I'm sure Amano, well, I, I, yeah, for sure Amano is also a influence on, on, uh, on Mira as well uh, another Definitely. one of the fantasy greats up there with like frisetta i wonder if they've talked about each other i wonder if they ever met they're probably both too busy but <laughs> yeah it'd be cool if they did definitely yeah definitely yeah i'm gonna look that up <laughs> yeah oh um my gosh okay while we're just talking about stuff just references um uh, so we mentioned Devil May Cry before, you know, uh, just the, the, the Dante, his huge sword, um, you know, uh, uh, his, his white-haired brother, Nemesis. Um, uh, you know, th- those are definitely some influences. Uh, I thought maybe um, th- th- this is not like a definite thing, but um, if you guys played uh, Devil May Cry 4, there was the boss, uh, Burial. Uh, the I you know these this giant horned bestial dude with uh, yeah. you know the monster face and glowing yeah. horns and his centaur body and 
a giant slab of like molten rock for a sword. I, I thought like his design was maybe uh, sort of like Zod with carrying like a primordial dragon slayer. <laughs> that was the impression that I got when I saw him. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really quite cool as well that you mentioned that because I was, I was just watching my friends play like that and so many of those monsters they felt like monsters from Berserk. It's really quite strange, but obviously, you know, it's, it's very it's very obvious if you if you if you're looking at it with like that kind of specific purpose to find something like that. But yeah, there's also that one um is that one boss. I think it's is it Devil May Cry like 4, I think. I'm not sure. I think it is. But like it's that boss with the um with the uh it's like a giant frog kind of it's like an ice frog yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and, and yeah, it's like a giant ice frog. my friend james is gonna kill me for this he's like you should know the name of this thing we've just been playing it but um yeah <laughs> basically it has these two like wispy like ladies that like that are, like antenna it kind of yes. uh, it, it goes into the darkness and it brings them out that reminds me of that one moth girl from berserk like, do you know what I mean? The way she kind of, like, flitters and flies around in the night and stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah, I forget her name right now, too, but, um, um, yeah. Like, uh, the, the boss is named Baal and Dagon. Yes. That, you got it. There you go. But you, you know, you know uh, what I'm talking about, right? Those kind of, like, two, yes. like, um, like yeah. moth ladies, yes. moth-like so, ladies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, like, a giant, huge, like, you know, uh, frog with a gaping maw, and he could swallow, like, a dozen humans whole. But, yes. um you first see him as uh you see these beautiful um uh women with this wispy hair just kind of glowing and and they're flying around in the dark and then you find out they're actually just part of his um antenna like an angler fish he just puts those out there to attract humans and then he just you know just gobbles them up and um yeah, their imagery is very similar to um oh gosh i forgot her name the the, the moth girl who was the main antagonist for a whole yeah, yeah, yeah. Berserk. That was one of my Start favorite parts. Yeah, yeah. The these the the lunar the lunar moth. Rosine, that Rosine, that was it. Yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. But yeah, like they, yeah. they remind yeah. me of of um of that so much. Just the way that they would kind of like dance and all the rest of it and look so pretty, but then they'd be like you know mad dangerous and could kill you. Do you know what I mean? It's it's very interesting the way that the way that um the way that this was utilized into just specific you know got um. Uh, uh, gothic and like dark setting it's very very cool um, that was the, uh, the yeah. first big uh, apostle after the, the the golden age arc right like mm -hmm. it's back to the present uh i think so yeah i think so yeah um mira has mentioned in interviews uh like after the golden age arc and like uh, the eclipse and everything uh the popularity of berserk dropped really hard and mm. uh and then he's like, okay, back to this gritty, lonesome swordsman. Uh, <laughs> so it was like kind of a return to fighting the snake man. Yeah. It was, um, these editors kept on telling him that you, you, you can't kill all of his friends. Everyone will feel terrible and stop reading. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. uh, Miura talked about it a little bit and he said it's, he didn't plan this, but like, uh, you know, Casca surviving and, the possibility of uh, Rickard's the little kid, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. like if yeah, they Rickard survive, wasn't then caught in the, uh... yeah. yeah. So those elements are what uh, what carried the story forward and got everyone back. It's that uh, it's guts did not lose everything. Now he has to hold on to these two people from that wonderful golden age, and they're the only <laughs> people from that time. 
and one yeah. of them is like totally yeah. mind destroyed and the other is just you know not involved in mercenary work anymore uh the way he put it is yeah. if if everyone really did die in in the uh the eclipse then then guts would be entirely living in the past and it would be a story entirely locked to a past event and then his revenge has no future it's only about the past but the survival of his friends uh, yeah. only a few of his friends means it's a story moving into the future that's an interesting look at the yeah. the idea that uh revenge by itself does not heal you because um it's only about punishment it's not about moving forward uh in mm. terms of the idea that character growth yeah. or personal growth is the only way forward uh, so that's actually a really yeah. <laughs> insightful way to look at a story. Absolutely, it, it's so it's so incredibly yeah, deep in so many ways. But that's one of them. It's that it's that emotional growth, and not only just again like in terms of you know an emotionally rewarding piece of uh, media, but like it's something that has you know it's been again around since before again I was around overall. But many people who will have grown up with this, they will be completely different people than they were when they first started reading it. Of course, because you know time marches on and we grow emotionally so i mean it really must yeah. have been quite something to have been reading this for for decades obviously not my experience but i mean I, I can't imagine what that must have like been like you know to have grown up with like this story specifically and to see this character go through all of these trials and tribulations and then also go through your own in your own life it, it's very very interesting to think about yeah i think i was like around the age of early flat flash, uh, flashback guts when he's uh like a teenager like man, I I gotta work out more, do more push-ups. <laughs> this guy is awesome. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, um, yeah, I just we've been posting images oh. in our, our oh, yeah. chat, and um, yeah, the boss, the Devil May Cry boss that we mentioned before, uh, was it Bale and and Dagon? Mm -hmm. uh, Dagon's a Lovecraft reference, but the 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 little. Yeah. Um, the 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 mock women that he has for his antenna the anglerfish lure um they look exactly like slan uh for the, the you know the female member of the god hand uh, who's this beautiful woman with this weird tentacle tendril uh, hair they look just like her yeah oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah even with uh, lovecraft dagon like uh that was a like sub like an under the ocean deep sea god that lovecraft made up and he's worshipped by fish people and and then dagon's this big angler fish frog monster yeah 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 and oh uh, a side note on lovecraft like lovecraft was alive around the time that like people have nets that can dig up deep sea mangled things with antennas and then and then there's this new theory of evolution that says we evolved from those things deep in the ocean so like he's a he was a dude born in a time where like you're told you were created in god's image and then all of the the colleges are now saying like these horrible monster fish are where we came from that must have <laughs> like completely shattered him definitely yeah and a really weird looking fish washed up on the ocean the other day like it was this was um i'm not sure if you guys saw it but uh it's a couple oh, yeah. of like the uh, I'll, I'll try and find it but like the black deep Ooh, sea fish does it have like uh, off, like yeah uh, does, does it look like it has a black arm 
it does indeed. I'm going to post it right now. It's kind of gross, but it, yeah, it's um, it, it, this washed up like in Cal in California, I think. In California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, this oh, is my goodness. Yeah, I know. Like, this was like this was um recent as well. Like it wasn't even. Yeah. I think yeah, this was like literally like, this month, like less than two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this this black scaled uh, clawed shadowy fish. It's called a football fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wild <laughs> football fish. I yeah. did not know that. <laughs> Tossed around the yeah. old fish skin, huh? <laughs> nice. That's yeah. funny. Maybe is discovered by John Football and named after him. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I would not want to kick that thing. I'm telling you right now. I don't want to. Don't want to throw it. Don't want to touch it. <laughs> but, yeah. I think it's so interesting, though, right? We we have these things in. Oh, sorry to cut you off there, but we have these things in our real lives that we could, mm -hmm. you know, theoretically see that look like these monsters that we would consider yeah. to be otherworldly. Like this yeah. exists right yeah. now, but it looks like something Miura would have drawn. Do you know what I mean? It's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. There, there yeah. Are more, and there are probably more of that. Like, do you know what I mean? That we haven't like seen yet, but oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's really really um. I don't know, I mean, we, we got some stuff down there, and uh, it's really interesting to me. See, this is why I just I, want to be yeah. a marine, marine biologist. Yeah, See, this, yeah. was my, this was my whole bread and butter. <laughs> I, oh. I was just thinking, yeah. it looks like something Mira would draw, or, or Hieronymus Bosch would have drawn. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yeah, these things exist in nature. People have been tapping into this. Oh, and uh, interesting thing about the anglerfish, um, the way they mate, I think the, the, the big ones are the females, I believe, and then the, the, the males are actually yeah. really little. And they literally um, evolve into a parasite. They mate by permanently attaching themselves, latching onto the female, and just actually becoming a part of um, the female's body and just constantly producing, um, well, uh, sperm, <laughs> so that she could keep producing young. So, so they, it, it, it's, it's literal. You know, this is like real body horror fodder, just like merging, you know, flesh and blood and bone into another being. There's so much of that. And I, I think so much uh, of that in nature. the angler yeah. was discovered in like the 1830s, right? So th this kind of terrifying <laughs> uh, type of uh, animal would have been um, would have been probably even more terrifying to to people that don't know as much about marine biology as our modern yeah. society does. I mean, they must have washed up on shore in the past. Yeah. You know, they just didn't. Mm -hmm. They weren't yeah. able to preserve them. But like yeah, people in the past I've must have been like, "Oh my god! Like, what yeah. is that?" Yeah, there are. Um... Like, say, in, like, some, you know, village in Germany had legends of a, of a dragon, and then they found, like, inside of their church is a, it's like a uh, woolly rhinoceros skull, and that's what they called the dragon, but they, like, dug it up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or how the, the cyclops uh, may have been, you know, uh, you know, elephant or mammoth skulls, right? Where the, the cavity for the trunk looks like a, a giant eye could have been there. True. Yeah. Andy shared a picture of the, the skeleton of this fish, and I can't stop looking at how terrifying it is because it's like <laughs> it's got like a like unlike most fish, it's got a very pronounced like com complicated skull area. Um, like it's kind of front loaded yeah. onto the the front part of the football, and then the rest of it's like there's not much going on. But like I every time I look at it, I'm like that is definitely a like a mirror monster, oh dark fantasy, you know, like stuff of nightmares. Oh my yeah. god! I, I just posted yeah. a wolf fish. Oh, they got <laughs> horrible teeth. 
Yeah, if you'd like, okay. a, if you'd like a, something to put you off your lunch, just Google Wolfish. That's what yeah, Richmond, uh, Richmond just put in. That'll, yeah. uh, that'll, do, that'll do the job. Yeah, apparently they're they're very unaggressive though. They but they, they just look super scary. They 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 look like a video game monster oh, made yeah. to take a bite uh, out of you. Right. Right. They they, they no, don't need to be aggressive when they look like that. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like uh, it's, it's, they only they only have like enough polygons to make like a a PS3 CG monster head, which makes right, it even creepier. And then the yeah, rest yeah. of it's all like just you know unambiguous and smooth and stuff, and it's got this yeah. ridiculously yeah. like well defined, super like high definition head. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, one more thing about the. Uh... Oh, go on. Yeah, about the uh, the anglerfish, their their sexual dimorphism and the way they breed, like uh, uh, Sutomu Nihei, the guy who does like Blaine, Knights of Cydonia, possums. He wrote a, he did a, this short manga that like just does the anglerfish breeding, but with humans, and it's like really gross and scary. Damn, I read that. Okay. okay. Yeah. Which which manga uh, was it? It's it's uh, it starts off with like this is like uh, the last human woman and like it's Whoa. like this terrifying muscular monster with all of these little bolt sack human men crawling on her to uh, try to breed Ooh. and then they connect with her and they pump her full of testosterone so she's like super muscular and oh, like i think they're it's all called... like devolved yeah it's called pump i found it yeah well, <laughs> it, it was yeah. a one shot called pump p-u-p-u-m-p yeah uh that yeah. sounds terrifying I'm I gotta read this and be yeah, yeah yeah I'm gonna I'm, sorry, I'm gonna read this and be scared later <laughs> it should be yeah. good <laughs> yeah yeah but cool yeah but back to this though like there are so many just again awesome like tangents that we can go on because of how deeply yeah. you know interconnected and you know interwoven berserk is with so many different things I think it's just it's mm. just um yeah it's just amazing to think about man I'm I'm gonna keep on digging and digging and digging for as long as i'm gonna be around but yeah I, i'm just really glad that i've been able to check this out because honestly it's 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 like it's never ending you know what i mean it's as unfortunate as this um you know unspeakably terrible thing is like we have so many other things to think about because of this in so many different ways so again like all of the all of the massive ways that you know final fantasy has been touched by like berserk that so many different areas have been touched by berserk like we have yeah. like all of this stuff because of like berserk in a sense so yeah I, I think it's kind of fitting in a sense that because it it, it ends now it ends now in one way sure but like the influences of it will continue do you know what i mean it's yeah it's really um it's kind of it kind of it kind of bring brings itself back around to what it is we were just discussing, right? The idea of like birth and you know like giving life to something new, like that's what it is that you know like Miura, you know whether he knew it like or not, I think obviously did know, but I mean yeah, had had breathed life into so many different people in so many different ways, and I think it's just really interesting to think about that how you can have something as crazy and as you know just thematically like interesting and scary and brooding as something like a behelot it can appear and be referenced in something like panty and stocking you know what i mean just like this so that you you think about all these things in the ways in which they work together it just makes you laugh and smile but yeah it's really important to think about just the the wider overall reach of, of berserk itself that that's so funny that you mentioned panty and stocking because I, I was just looking up a yo Yoshinari, yeah, a famous, very amazing animator, one of the top animators, director of uh, Gurren Lagann and so many Gainax uh, classics. 
the the reason uh, and and of course he, he was uh, was he a concept artist and uh, animation director on Panty and Stocking, which is an absolutely wow. deranged, amazing uh, show. Uh, not not for kids. Please don't watch it if you are under eighteen. But um, Yo Yoshinari was a main uh, character designer on Valkyrie Profile, um, oh. and that game had a uh, particular character uh, that was definitely based off of guts. His name was uh, Arngrim. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Profile. yeah right you remember the dude he's got like a scar over one eye you know he's got similar like hair and armor and he wields a big sword he yeah, wields yeah. this massive massive sword uh arngrim definitely a, a homage to uh guts um nice i never made that yeah. connection but yeah i can definitely remember uh it takes up a huge amount of space with the sword it's, yeah. it's definitely yeah, a guts reference you're right yeah just the way it's sort of like slung over his shoulder in battle um and it's funny because you probably saw Arn Grimm first, right? Because Berserk really didn't catch on uh, worldwide until much, much later. Like uh, we, we in the U.S., we got Valkyrie Profile way before we got uh, Berserk officially. Yeah, uh, that's that's definitely massive. true. Yeah, now that I'm now that I'm looking, I, I remember now, but I never made that connection. But you are. 100 percent right like the way that the character slots work like oh, the yeah. sword is so big that it basically it, it always like especially if you put them in the back of the party the, the sword covers all the character slots <laughs> yeah it does <laughs> it's, it's... yeah oh, um, he takes up as much space as four people because of that sword <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he also so cool. yeah he wields it like uh well in the way that the, that he wields the handle it's yeah you're right it's such a guts reference it's not even funny yeah <laughs> I'm, I feel like this, I, I've played this game like five times. I don't know how I didn't notice this. Yeah, but because because it's so easy to take for granted, right? It, it's mm-hmm. sort of it's just become an archetype in general. Yeah, but it, it, it goes uh, back to even Berserk. things even things older than Berserk that you would think like oh it has a giant sword like the sword is not that big like uh, yeah Conan the Barbarian his swords are are like not very big you could like. You know, you could ride a bus with a Conan sword. <laughs> That's but, uh, right. Yeah, you could go about your day with with Conan's um, wolf slaying sword. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, like, honestly, that's totally changed. Yeah. yeah. Now that I'm looking going. back at it, Richmond, I actually think there are more references in Valkyrie Profile. Like, if you look at like Lawfer and uh, like the other characters surrounding um, Arngrim in the game. Like I just sent a few screenshots, just like looking at the Ooh. the type of armor, like very oh, yeah. very similar to the hot. Uh, Before you know. back when back when Guts had like that other type of armor that he used to have back in like the early days, yeah, yeah, that reminds me of like a Taekwondo headguard, actually, kind of like. Um, oh really? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna find it once I'm, I'm gonna find it like early. Goods. Yeah, he he used to he used to have this one. Oh, he used to have this one type of a uh, type of head guard. It, no, not just like a head guard, oh, but yeah, it's a piece of his yeah, armor. Yeah, yeah. And like it, it was kind of right? like exactly. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at a lot of the characters around this. Like they're they're like a direct reference to the band of the Falcon. It's not even funny. <laughs> like yeah. just, I I had never noticed this yeah. before. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't Laffer like kind of a jerk? <laughs> he was totally a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I just remember like going through like the strategy guide and going, I don't want this guy in my party. He looks like he's going to betray me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like this stuff, this stuff's so cool to me. Yeah. I'm going to find it. 
So, you know, like, Mira probably had, like, a book of, like, the Taekwondo head guard and, like, the, the chest guard and shoulder things. Yeah, yeah, all of our, yeah, all of our gear, yeah. Like, just, just stuff like this. Like, this is, like, this is, like, a... These are more, like, kind of newer designs. I'm trying to find, like, an old, old one. But, like, they have old versions of, like, this gear. Okay, that's quite an old one. That's good. They have, like, old versions of this gear from, like, the 80s and like, the 90s and stuff like that. And, like, prototype ones from, like, the 70s and stuff. But, yeah, when you're looking at, like, general kind of, like, padded head guards for any kind of a martial art or any kind of training that you, that you do, like, when you see, like, old armor designs, too, they do typically have that same kind of... Here's a good one. They do typically have oh. that kind of old sort of, like, wide, thick brim of over the head going off into the sort of thick padded areas that go all across around the sides of your head as well. I never used one that was like this. Mine are kind of, like, much more new, more modern designs. And I got my first, like, head guard, I think, in, like, 08, I think, or 09. So they wouldn't... They didn't look like this. But, like, I've seen these before, though. Like, my coach, who's been doing this for, like, over 40 years now, like, he has, like, old, old gear that's like this. Like, yeah. It didn't belong to me, but, yeah, I've seen this gear before. But, yeah, that's a little, that's a little thing I just saw there. <laughs> I just wanted to add, I actually just found this. So there's actually an official collaboration with Valkyrie uh, Anatomia, the uh, the original one in Japan, where there's a, where you can play as Guts in the game. Oh, wow. Yeah, so yeah, the the mobile yeah. game? Yeah, 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 the mobile game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so wow. that was which, to which promote game was the, uh, the anime. It's the mobile game for our Valkyrie profile. Oh, my God. What? That's so cool. Oh, crazy. Wow. And it's a it's a 3D one, so it doesn't look doesn't age quite as well, I think, as the original Valkyrie profile. But yes, it looks like um, <laughs> the the references yeah. are quite intentional. <laughs> so I, I just want to um, comment on so guts. Yeah, when he's younger, he wears this uh, head guard. It looks like training gear, right? For for martial arts, with uh, it goes around sort of the forehead, the sides of the face, but doesn't cover like the top of the head, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, which is it gives him it's such a good look for like a you know for a young man right he's yeah. not fully seasoned yet but he's he's just full of vigor um i wonder if that influenced uh that that look became pretty popular in 90s uh uh marvel comics um uh, especially uh characters created ah, by uh, rob Liefeld, like definitely definitely wears that yeah and um, uh, Lifefield was, um, you know, very open about being uh, really into manga at the time. Like he, he was always just, uh, you know, like going to the Japanese bookstore and just being inspired the by Japanese manga. Japanese for... bookstore literally across the street from his workplace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He said all, all, all the old uh, image dudes that were all really into it. Yeah. It is their secret weapon. Oh man, this is so cool. One of my one of my favorite like um, older. Like, yeah, yeah is, exactly, yeah. stuff like that. One of my favorite older, like, Marvel characters actually is a character called, like, Death's Head. And um, I oh, got really... Yeah, really, he's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah, had one of those comics, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I have I have a couple of them. I used to um I, I said before, but like I used to want to be like a like a concept artist and comics artist too. So like that was like Death's Head was one of like my one of my main like inspirations in terms of like you know that kind of like over the top like look and all the rest of it. But there was a character whose name that I'm forgetting. I think it's something Lock, like something like Gun Lock or something like that. There was a there was a character that Death's Head was with one time. I'm, I'm gonna find it now, but. I think it might be the character in red. I'm not sure, but he had like a bunch of like guns, and like I thought that it battled. Uh, was it battle type? I think I found it just now. I found it. 
uh, kill power. That was it. That was it. Kill power. So yeah, I, I have what I've just posted now. I think you have to post oh, nice. this for the podcast, but I have this. Um, I have this uh, issue like in my house like now, and like I awesome. used to flip through these pages and like sketch and sketch and sketch and try and copy pages all the time. But that kind of a head guard look, but with no, but with no head guard on the top. That's exactly what that character kill power it was like wearing right there. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll have to post this on Twitter or something for the people. But AJ, yeah, AJ, like, what have you what have you done? Now I'm looking yeah. at Rob Layfield's work and I can't unsee this. Yeah, it's do, do you know what I'm saying? It's, it, it, it's work. berserk. Yeah. It's it's the headgear. It's uh, it's that headgear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, he obviously yeah. adapts it for his own style, but you can see. You can see all the places where he's like, mm, "I'm going to put the guts headgear here. This will look really cool. Yeah, Let me change exactly. the gear." Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, and and the, the funny thing about it is as well, like that, you know, just the fact that again we're talking about like a young guts kind of still in training. Like that is training gear. Do you know what I mean? Like that is what it is yeah, that you would yeah. wear when you are literally training. But we wear it for fights as well. But sometimes you, sometimes like you wouldn't, I suppose, if you were in a certain other like martial art or whatever. For example, like MMA fighters, they don't wear like the gear that we wear. All sorts of stuff. But yeah, it's training gear and Guts was in a kind of a training stage as, of, of sorts in terms of his d- growth and development. Yeah. So much training yeah. gear everywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then when he's very young, like he had to wield an adult sword. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. always... Uh... Oh yeah, Mira said that um, the idea of the huge sword image was from Pygmilio, this manga, I'm not familiar with it, but I looked it up. So the protagonist is like like a kid wearing, uh, using an adult-sized sword, and nice. some of his poses do feel very, like, guts-like. Mm. Nice, nice. Oh, man. Yeah. It, do you know what's, it's really funny as well, because I've mentioned this before, but but I think when I was talking about, like, Kai a while ago, but when you're a kid and you're training with adults, you do certain things that kind of that kind of try and, you know, cement your place, like, in the group. But even though everyone's like, you're still a kid, though. But it's like, yeah, I am still a kid, but, yeah. like, I'm here to, like, sort of do what I'm trying to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I, I felt very much a, a kinship with, with goods because of that being the kind of like the like the scrappy like little kid around like just a bunch of like grown like adults and like people who but a lot of people who would have been like my age now for example so like i started like yeah. really getting into that around like 13 14 15 having my first you know like adult fights with people in their late 20s and 30s and stuff so like yeah. that was my like introduction into that area so i can definitely feel a lot of that early you know young kid headgear trying your best type of thing trying to hang in there nice. it's very well it's very well um, portrayed i definitely get it Oh, so, that's good to hear. Yeah, uh, I also want to mention something that I'm noticing, especially as I'm looking at more of these things. Where we're talking a lot about the influence of, uh, like guts as a character, but I feel like Griffith is also one. Like the more that you look for it, the more that you see. Uh, I don't know if this is like another archetype. This the kind of, um, you know, the the long flowing like blonde hair, like armored you know, kind of like the, the attitude that he had, like that, that seems like a, a character that I'm, cause even in this, like uh, peak value, I'm even noticing a character that looks just like Griffith. I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, and, and as I'm starting to look around, I'm like, Oh, okay. This is the kind of, uh, this type of character appears a lot. I don't know if it's something that was predating to berserk, but it, it seems like um, a big, oh, definitely. it's, uh, yeah, yeah. it's, it's NK and Yoshitsune. There's historic, now legendary Ooh. figures. Like, how how did Guts get recruited by Griffith? It was, uh, I'm going to beat you in a duel, and then you're going to fight for me, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's like, exactly how it happened. Yeah, yeah. 
when Yoshitsune was a rising young warrior, like collecting his his dudes, Benkei was already like wielding huge weapons and guarding a bridge. And then he's like, "Oh, you can't beat me!" And then uh, Yoshitsune defeats him in like with his uh, normal katana and like. In, in some depictions, it's like he's, like, stepping on Benkei's weapon, and it's, like, very much uh, how Guts and Griffith fought each other oh, in the first Oh, my song. God, that's exactly... Yeah, that's exactly how Griffith beat Guts. I'm, I'm literally All looking right. at it right now. You guys are, you guys are amazing. Like, that's called... The, that's, yeah, that's called the, the Miriki counter, it says here. Like, basically, it's a, one of the... It's a, it's a way to counter an attack is to use a thing called the Miriki counter. And, like, yeah, it's it's basically stepping on someone's um, weapon, right? It's, it's basically... You can do it in a Sekiro as well, actually. It's... it's, yeah, it's... Um, it, yeah, yeah, you do, like, a jump attack, kind of, like, a, right after a counter. And then like you can you can um, yeah. you can hurt somebody with that. But like there's a character, there's, there's uh, some images I have of like characters doing that right here. I think. Yeah. But yeah, like it's and it's then... the same exact thing. I just I was just about to put that in, which is very funny that you mentioned it. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, uh, Andy, also you went in, deep. in uh, that Yoshitsune story, like some of the text it says uh, Yoshitsune didn't just beat him like by being agile. He he did a a double jump. He jumped off <laughs> of the air. Yeah. And then uh, Benkei's reaction was like, just, that's impossible. I can't beat <laughs> this guy. He's not human. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The, 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 um, yeah, the like a double jump is now jump. ubiquitous. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. but the, the way they reference it is they say this double, like Yoshitsune was able to double jump because he has the quality of the, ancient legendary Chinese emperors who could, you know, rise to heaven by walking on the air. So they were saying, oh, we, it's, it has legitimacy in this thing that was ancient to us, even yeah. though this is a thousand years ago to us. Yeah. I'm still trying to learn how to do that. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, so, it's, so, it's the skywalk from One Piece, right? It's like, it's like, uh, yeah. Off the air type of yeah, 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 that's exactly yeah. what it is. Oh, just just for yeah, our listeners, then, uh, uh, Yoshitsune was a actual historical figure almost uh, a thousand years ago in Japan. He, uh, this is from the 1100s. Yeah. Let's see. One of my favorite things, actually, I used to I used to used to um, practice doing this one move a lot. There was um there was this one dance move. That um that people love to do from from a long time ago. I first saw it. It was kind of like a stepping on air challenge that people were doing, and basically you put you isolate one of your one of your legs, and then you, you step over one of them very quickly. But then you sort of just displace your weight enough, like kind of midair, that it looks like you're stepping on something solid, like and then you, it kind of gives the illusion of again like sort of walking like on air. That's something which just makes me smile a lot, just in terms of you know thinking about this. So, yeah, because I remember that when you just mentioned that, Sean. Um, about that kind of a uh, how how is this person done this like how are you real kind of a thing like i remember there's a video um from a couple of years ago that went absolutely viral of someone doing this in a in a dance battle against someone else and like they sort of when they were when they're in the middle of the circle they were doing some moves and they stopped and then they just did like the air step and everyone was like what the like what you, what? you just walked on air like, how uh so yeah it, i've definitely um seen and felt that kind of a, a kind of a mystical like what the like sort of feeling before so yeah it's, it's awesome. just cool to think about how all this stuff ties back to other things that are you know real yeah. it's great yeah 
Just real quick, back to Yoshitsune. Um, it, it, just just look him up, Yoshitsune. Uh, uh, there's lots of like beautiful paintings of this character. That's Y O S H I T S U N E. Like uh, one of the first paintings that came up for me was um, it was a fight between Yoshitsune and a a, a, a rugged old bandit named uh, Ushi Wakamaru, um, and uh, Yoshitsune, you know, defeated this grizzled veteran fighter uh, when he. Yoshitsune was only 15 years old, right? It, so it's a painting of like this beautiful <laughs> shonen young man defeating like no a way. much more seasoned giant opponent. So, so again, like this archetype, this sort of story goes way back through the ages. It's, you know, uh, today we're discussing it in Berserk, but it, th- this stuff echoes through time. Uh, we're, we're talking about like a thousand years ago, you know, and probably uh, yeah. and, uh, they were referencing stuff a thousand years before their time. So. Yeah, isn't it great to be human? It really, really is. But um, we only have what survived, you know? Like, how many of these stories, like, have been lost? It's yeah. Sometimes we have records of, like, talking about a painting that doesn't exist anymore or a story that we don't have anymore. Mm. Yeah. No, it's absolutely amazing just thinking about all of this. Just the fact that, like, again, we can see such clear parallels from, <clears throat> from like areas of like martial arts, from like areas of dance, from so many just areas of like historical life as well. Like, it's so clear, and so much of it does appear like in Berserk itself. Like, it's just really, really cool to think about, man. Like, I didn't even make the connection between like that headgear thing, for example, that we were just talking about, and then just seeing how much of that other headgear exists in, you know, other pieces of like things from like Marvel and yeah. other like comic book areas and all the rest of it. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have thought about it, right? But yeah, no, it's a really I didn't interesting think about thing. that till today. Yeah, yeah, like really, really cool. Yeah. Oh. Oh, go, go ahead. I was just say you should look up Yoshitsune. The, the the amount of beautiful paintings of this event are is staggering. And anyway, sorry, yeah. Andy, go ahead. Um, even with the headgear, like one of the reasons I liked Taekwondo as a kid is like, yeah, I get to wear cool headgear, like yeah, like Lunar, the Silver Star, and like Shatter Star, exactly. and those Rob Liefeld characters. Yeah. Um, so there's yeah. also a piece of like steel armor used in Japan called the uh, the hapuri that kind of covers a similar portion of the face and then leaves like the top uncovered too. Mm-mm. So nice. I mean, there's like only so many ways you can practically cover the head. So like, yeah, probably just convergent design. Yeah. Now, there's so many. I have an image here, for example, of me wearing one. There you go. I found one. Look, you know what's funny about this? Uh, let's see it. Uh, here, here you go. It's in the podcast recording chat. Here's me wearing um, one oh, of my cool. older head guards and stuff. It's funny. I'm 15 in that image, and I'm fighting some. Yeah. I'm, I'm fighting somebody who is like I think at this time I think they were like 29 or like 30 something like that. And like yeah, this was like a, this is when I kicked <laughs> oh, them like nice. in the head like real hard and stuff. Like it's one of those ones. Is it? It's one of those things which where something like aligns like just like you kind of. It's like you were just talking here about like Ben K like just like you know being like 50 and like just fighting somebody and like I'm doing the same thing like there and stuff like. Everyone has their own versions of this. Like, I, I just love that. Just the fact that like we have our own parallels that we can draw from like literal real life, and then like you know yeah. these things which we see in the media that inspires us. It's it's, it's perfect. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, you guys must have. Uh, you must have felt like Basuzo that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was that, at the time. That was my favorite leg. Yeah, the the right leg. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
So I never like competed in Taekwondo, but I remember getting like a, a great spinning hook kick on somebody before. Oh, nice. But then I, 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 good. I, no, I, I managed to stop it right before I hit him in the head because like oh, we wow. were just sparring lightly. It's like, oh man, I don't want to knock him out. Oh, and then, like, the, the teacher is like, oh, good job, good control. You didn't knock <laughs> out your friend. Okay. Yeah. That's a good teacher. Mm. Very good. Yeah. Very good. But, you know, uh, right. one more thing, two things about Benke is that uh, he's uh, depicted with all of these weapons and tools on his back, and he fights you on a bridge. And, like, then that turned into the Gilgamesh battles in Final Fantasy, even though, like, the name Gilgamesh means something else. They just decided we're going to use the Sumerian origin of all heroes and then use uh, all of this Benke imagery on him. Mm, oh my God, he is Benke. So, I never put that together. Then there's uh, also Benke was depicted like when he was a boy, he was already strong enough to like wield a adult size polearm blade like just grasping it without a handle of the uh i guess you could call like the raw iron and then getting uh berserk and smashing temples ah. oh my gosh it's all it's all full circle oh, man. okay shall we um shall we get into from software the the long <laughs> long yes. shadow that berserk casts over the games of from software Let's do it. Who 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 wants to lead? Because there's there's so much to dig into here. Uh, I was at least going to lead that it's it's clear in that uh, I don't know if I think it's the prepare to die edition, but I had noticed this that the basically basically guts is on the cover of yeah. <laughs> of Dark Souls. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, go for it. Go for it. you. Got it. It's um, so I, I actually think that it might be. Um, the specific character is a DLC, actually, but um, it's a it's basically a swordsman with a large sword. Uh, I think he has a um, I don't know if his arm is damaged or, or something, but he has a he has kind of a yeah a, an arm that he favors and, and stuff like that. Uh, but the, the the kind of the the famous uh, uh, painting that you see on the Prepare to Die edition is is a direct reference to one of the covers of Berserk. Uh, the character yeah, is. Uh... Artorius of Victorious. the Abyss. Mm-hmm. He's the wolf knight. He's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. In a fight. Yeah, I don't know a mass amount, but like my friends were playing all through these games like very, very recently, like and much into last year too. So like from what I've seen, like from their stuff, I'll like be able to like contribute bits and pieces. But like I'm reading up on this now, and like yeah, there's so much to talk about here. Like there really is a lot. So yeah, you guys got this. <laughs> I mean, there's also elements like uh, I know um, multiple games um, have like a, a, a cursed mark, like Bloodborne. Um, I think Dark Souls has it as well. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a called. dark ring that shows up on your your body. And that's the it's mark a of hole the inside of you. Yeah, it's a a hole that leads to nothing on your person, and that's the uh, marks you as like resurrecting. Wow, I want to mention yeah, just man. one thing very quickly. Just um, this is kind of this is from a different like a uh, a different thing that they that they're on, but uh, it's not out yet. It's it's Elden Ring. Um, that character with the helmet on 
in in uh, in the trailer that we that we've all like known and seen and stuff. Like it reminds mm-hmm. me of um, Afani's, like the of the the helmet like that they wear oh, with the wings that, on as well. That is, that's her yeah. helmet. Yeah, yeah that's really, really exactly cool. her helmet almost. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. I, I just saw this now. I was like, damn, I've never even never even thought about that. But there you go. There's one. Oh yeah. So yeah, it shows like uh, her lower face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the the the, the shape uh, in the front and the the venting on it and the wings. It's it's yeah, that's too much to be a coincidence. They, that, that's that's like really that's the same element. Wow. Mm. Cool. Yeah, there's just so much stuff here. All right. Um. Let's see. So for the, for. Uh... The Japanese RPG writer Kyubaya, he also did manga and sculpting, all this stuff. He, he's like, I guess maybe, I don't know how well known he is in Japan, but he like wrote RPG books that got translated into English and like had unique social mechanics that like weren't in uh, RPGs yet. But when Amura passed, you know, like he tweeted that uh, at a time when, uh, you know, like, uh, there's a lot of uh, Western fantasy coming into Japan in the 80s. And then, like, hmm. Miura became the representation of, like, this is the Japanese fantasy setting. And then uh, Kumaya goes on to say, oh, like, to the point where, like, anything in that fantasy style now, we call it a berserk-like comic. And he was, like, the, uh, the representation of Japan to the world. And there was yeah. no Japanese artist not influenced by him, and that like he defined this era of fantasy. Like he spoke just of Japan, but it's really like the world now. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Like uh, obviously, Berserk is a confluence of uh, so many different, you know, influences, like uh, tons of Western influence. But um, he defined. Uh, dark fantasy and sort of the western setting fantasy in in japan and then re-exported it to the rest of the world right like yeah that's i mean and amira himself said that uh, at its core berserk is still uh, based off of japan i mean that's that's what he knows right so the the sort of the the themes the 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 social themes the structure of the society is uh uh you know very yeah. much rooted in uh, japanese culture that a uh, holy night arc said so like the the refugee camp it's like oh I, he could say it's based on like wars going on and something he saw on tv but ultimately like everyone that in there is japanese and he's telling a story about japan um yeah what's interesting is um also in his interviews when he talks about the very early concepts of berserk is like uh it was an Asian man with a Japanese sword and a gadget arm in medieval Europe. Hmm. And then he, uh, from there, he went into Dragon Slayer and Cannon Arm. Oh. It's just so cool. Just the idea of having, like, that kind of a weapon, like, attached to your arm and all the rest of it. Again, like, we've seen that so much in so many different areas, right? Like, we think of, like, who, like, Cyborg from, like, you know, all of, like, DC and all the rest of it. We think of so mm-hmm. many other characters with, like, you know, some kind of mechanized, like, weapon and all the rest of it. But, yeah, like, I, w- I really do wonder what that must have, like, been like to see, like, for the very first time. Like, not having any of the rest of that reference material, in, in, in a sense. Like, 
really, really cool to think when, about. When you mention that, it makes me wonder, I, I haven't checked into this, but uh, it makes me wonder if like all of the giant arm weapons and like Trigun are also influenced. Yeah. Uh, like, like we're talking about like characters with big swords, but um, maybe just big weapons in general uh, are part yeah, of that. It, it, it's very much, it's, it's not like a laser. It, it's, it's a blast. It's, it's a cannon blast that he has. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the, the fingers and the, the hand itself kind of come down and then like yeah. a, a cannon, like, you know, like a, a appendage of sorts of where the wrist sort of should be that folds out into, you know, a literal cannon that you can just blast things with or people with it's it's one of the first things he uses to kill that apostle that he's um that he's with in bed do you know what i mean at the start like in that uh, in that early early well no not the start start but you know what i mean like near that yeah, yeah. near that time that, that period of time chapter. so yeah exactly yeah. yeah that one was for crocus <laughs> yeah exactly the day there you go, exactly <laughs> uh, yeah. there's a uh, well i mean influences would be like space adventure cobra has on his gun arm and then earlier true, than the, that, the, the original a, Mega Man right hand. Wow, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Dororo and, uh, is definitely a precursor to Berserk, yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, can, can, can we do a quick Dororo tangent? Do it. Okay, so so Dororo is a um, Osamu Tezuka uh, manga and it's it's widely regarded as one of the earliest like ultra violent uh, manga because you know uh, Tezuka was already super famous by then and um, it said that his inspiration for uh, Dororo was that um, his own son was like you know what like Ishinomori's comics are more fun than yours dad so he was like what like I I, I, I gotta do something about this so he, he came up with this dark <laughs> Dororo was a dark uh, fantasy comic uh, sent it, set in uh, you know medieval Japan, and uh, the main character is um, uh, this guy who. Uh, uh, this is very berserk. Like, um, so the main character, uh, when he was a, he's the child of a, like this powerful Japanese lord who uh, made a pact with demons. He had to give up something precious to him, so he gave up his firstborn son, a newborn, and the demons all took uh, part of his body. There, there were like I think a. I don't know, like 108 yes. demons or something. Each one took a part of his body, and somehow he was still left alive, um, but just this featureless blob. And his father was so horrified, he just like floated him down a river. And then the kid was uh, picked up by a monk who um, fashioned like an artificial body uh, for the kid. Somehow, you know, this kid's, this blob still had the will to live, even though it didn't even have any body parts. Um, and then, you know, he grows up. Uh, and he, he he fights demons with his artificial body. He's he's trying to reclaim his uh, body parts. So it's 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 definitely definitely uh, one of the uh, direct inspirations for uh, Berserk for sure. Yeah, definitely, that was it. It was um, it's about the what's it? I think what was it? It was forty eight like fiends must be killed. Yeah, and then yeah, you have yeah. To, yeah, yeah. You have to find each yeah. one of those fiends, obviously kill them, and yeah. then get one of the parts back and stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. really, really interesting. It was an excellent uh, PS2 game. Great adaptation uh, by yeah, Sega. Blood Will yeah, 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 called Blood Will Tell. That, that's a, a real hidden gem. Really recommend that game. It, it's probably ungodly expensive now because 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 game collecting is getting crazy these days. But um, if you can find it, it's really worth it. Um, yeah. And then. Um, uh, Oh yeah, in in Berserk, there there, uh, there is the character. Um, so 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 the main character in in Dororo is actually his name's Hiyaki Maru, 
uh, Dororo is his sidekick. It's, it's this funny little um, kid who follows him around and he says, like, oh, one day I'm going to steal your sword. It's a little thief. Uh, and then in Berserk, there's Isidro, who I think in Japanese you would say his name, his name would be Isidoro, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, yeah. Isidro is definitely a Dororo to uh, uh, Guts is a Hyakumaru. Is he yeah. Doro? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, is he? Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, um, of course, both uh, um, uh, both Dororo and Berserk are huge, huge influences on on um, uh, uh, Sekiro, of course. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Sekiro, amazing uh, from software game. Um, so yeah, they they after after doing so many Souls games, right with uh, which are these, uh, you know, customizable RPGs? They did a character action game, right? So, so now it's like a, a it's a character, right? It's not you. You're not making your own character. You, you are, um, you know, the main character. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Wolf, and um, he, he's very much based off of uh, uh, guts. Um, and, 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 and Hyaki Maro before him, right? Because you have this, just visually, right? He, he, he's, uh, he's got that streak of uh, white, white hair in the front, uh, very reminiscent of uh, Guts. And then he, he also is missing an arm, right? And then he, he's replaced his arm with uh, various power-ups, uh, various attachments. And of course, he's a, a master swordsman. Um, and he's, you know, he's out, out for revenge. He's, he's been betrayed. He's got a, got a, um, get revenge hmm. oh yeah. well, i just found something quite random actually this is um a little bit silly but uh changing the tone a little bit i've just been looking and i'm seeing like a bunch of uh, gintama references like that like, mm-hmm. that uh, exist within berserk as well sorry the berserk references that um exist within gintama and obviously you know with all those references anyway but i mean these are just making me laugh a lot just the fact that we we're talking about that um that text to intro the dragon slayer with like it was far too large it was like a big like slab of like iron all the rest of it and then i think from what it is i'm seeing here it's just been it's just been like repurposed and taken to be like this comedic really silly like piece of text based on this really serious thing so here it says i think he's talking about a lie he says like it was far too large to say to say it was stabbed in my ass (laughs) too big too thick too heavy my lie was far too suspicious so basically just equating this lie to like this um this Big pain in the ass. It's a sword, basically. It's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, there's just so so many, just this great wealth of references from so many different places. Yeah. yeah. I think. Um, mm. Yeah. While we're talking about from software, like uh, we we can probably call out several other like homages, like direct and indirect. But um, I think just the biggest influence Berserk had was just it really set such a great standard for dark fantasy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it just really, Berserk just really nailed it. And uh, gosh, like it's had such an influence in so many things since. Like, um, you know, like, uh, of course, like Game of Thrones was also like really popular, right? That, that, that was the most popular TV show ever for a while. That's also like a dark fantasy setting, but um Berserk is even older. Berserk is way older than Game of Thrones. And um, while Game of Thrones is more popular, mainstream worldwide, I would say Berserk is the one that actually had more 
direct, very, very direct uh, influence on, on, on huge swaths of pop culture. Like, okay, a- AJ, why don't you talk about the screenshot you just posted? Okay, yeah, yeah. I'd say speaking of popularity, I'm looking right now, and um, in in Avengers, uh, <laughs> in the in the Avengers movies, of course, especially in, in Infinity War, like we do get some Berserk references here. When Thanos is is um getting and ac- accessing one of the gems, it's almost in a, a specific parallel to when it is that you know Griffith activates the Behelet and triggers the uh, the eclipse itself. Like it's just really, uh, you'd have to, you guys have to post this one. It's it's too specific for it to not be uh, a reference there. It's got the peak um of the eclipse right behind them. It's got that beautiful, almost like purplish magentaish kind of a, an eclipse uh, colored night sky. And then of course it's got two characters both sitting down contemplating all sorts of awful things whilst they're surrounded by water do you know what i mean it's just it's, it's perfect it's if, right if it's not intentional it's influenced either way yeah intentional because that, that's yeah. when he's he very directly it. yeah he just tells them that he sacrificed everything right yeah yeah what did it cost? Right? Is that exactly, that famous yeah. meme where he said, "Yeah, mm-hmm. everything." It cost him everything to fulfill his ambition. Yeah, and there's, yeah. there's multiple shots of these, um, you know, these comparisons here, but yeah, so so many, and, and as well as also the use of um. Damn, I'm looking some uh, some more now, and I've seen a few like just the utilization of like the colors, like purple and red as well. Of course, yeah. and there's just so so many in there. I'm just having a look at a few pictures and images here. Like they're yeah, just full of full full of uh, references throughout uh, Infinity War. It seems I might have to give it a rewatch. Yeah, yeah, it's just so interesting that um, <laughs> Infinity War. I mean, this is based off of Marvel comics, and yet like when they really really need to like make the drama feel like very personal, um, they they dip into Berserk. Uh, oh my gosh! Many times, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, several times. Many, many times. Yeah. Many, many times. Yeah. Just absolutely, absolutely amazing to think about that. Just the fact that again, like such, um, you know, cataclysmic moments in the media which we, in the media which we know, and the the media that we talk about with so many people. Obviously, you know, with Avengers being this, you know, massive cultural phenomena. Like, if you sp- if you said to someone, "Hey, look at this as well," like they might not get it at first, but then if you showed them and told them more about Berserk and all the rest of it, like, yeah, they they did eventually come to see just how you know powerful these influences are. Like this type of a moment came so many decades before you know, like Avengers like had this moment itself. But it's like it elicits the same feelings in people. Do you know what I mean? Like Avengers fans, they felt that that giant loss that Berserk fans did at the at the eclipse, do you know what I mean? It's it's that. It's that same kind yeah. of, oh no, what are we gonna do? All of the all these characters are gone. How do we come back from this kind of a thing? And yeah, really, really interesting how that same utilization has been, you know, used in such a very specific kind of a way. Really interesting to look at. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I mean, I'm Andy, looking for colors. It's amazing. Oh go yeah. ahead. Andy, do you want to talk about um some other other possible deep cuts inspirations. I'd say a general one of like the one-eyed, one-armed swordsman. Uh, in the early 20th century, there is a popular. I think he might have started off with pulp novels and then became like illustrated in manga and movies. Is a Tange Sazen. So uh, his. Uh, his one arm and one eye already happened like in some horrible event in the past. And now he's 
like a, a dude who, you know, helps the downtrodden. And it's, he's not so much seeking revenge as he is just helping people with the abilities he has. But he's, mm. It's not that he's superhuman or anything. He's just a good swordsman, despite only having one arm and one eye. But like, yeah. uh, I think he's a big part of all of the characters who are missing an eye, like an eye and an arm, and and then it's like, okay, replace it with a gadget since uh, Dororo appears. Yeah. And then even with Dororo, like uh, the whole like, because he is trying to beat Ishinomori, like he pretty much made like medieval common rider, huh? Like your body is replaced with with uh, magic parts instead of science parts, and then you have to fight the organization that turned you into this. Yeah, yeah, he was a medieval cyborg, yeah. Oh, man, yeah, yeah, Dororo yeah. is common writer. <laughs> totally, yeah. Wow. I never um, thought of that, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's also the, uh, the historic use of, like, prosthetics. Like, there was a, a uh, medieval... Well, maybe not medieval anymore, but like, you know, era of fighting with swords and cannons is uh, Iron Hat Gotts von Berlichen and don't know how to say it right. Uh, Mira, in an interview, like he had that brought up to him, like, is he based off of Iron Hand Gotts? He's like, ah, oh, no, it's all a, a coincidence. Yeah, that's nuts. Like, we keep talking about things going full circle. Like, there, there was a historical, you know, um, uh, guts with uh, this this warrior with a metal arm and Mira genuinely didn't know this guy really existed you know that's just wow. amazing yeah I, ju I just posted there there's a, also a series of Chinese movies called the uh, one-armed swordsman um, uh, yeah, it's yeah. exactly that it's it's a swordsman with one arm uh, they're really interesting actually because he um, uh, rather than being a superhuman fighter with one arm, he he actually is very tricky and cheats a lot to beat yeah. the bad guy, like because he's he's at a disadvantage. So, so he's actually quite sneaky. Uh, those those movies are a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you oh, you have to be sneaky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just occurred to me that um, that that that. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm, I'm blanking at uh, Guilty Gear. Um, oh, uh, XX or Exit or. Uh, no, um, uh, gosh, okay. she's one of my favorite characters. The the woman with one arm and one eye, the swordsman. Biken, um, yeah. Biken. Oh, Biken, Biken. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Biken. Yeah, yeah. Biken is, um, you know, uh, obviously uh, she was um, oh, a reference yeah. to uh, Kenshin. I believe she even had the same voice actor, but uh, she's very much guts too with her, yeah. her gruff demeanor. Um, you know, the eye, yeah, missing an eye and an arm. Wielding oh, yeah, a big definitely, sword, definitely. just just tough as nails. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh my um, gosh, Andy, what is this? That's Lady Sazen. Like uh, oh, Tange Sazen was such a popular character in the twenties that it's like, oh, what if we just had a lady with one eye and one arm that did the same oh, thing, and then <laughs> she had movies too. Like that is uh, Biken. That is Biken. Oh, I plus yeah. plus like a hidden claw. Yeah, yeah that is I mean, totally I mean, like, Biking, Biking utilizes a hidden claw too. Yeah, with that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. That, oh, that, no. Biking so cool. has the hidden claw. I don't know where oh, the oh, hidden oh, claw sure. exactly comes from. Yeah. Okay. Oh, who, who knows? Um, Maybe it shows well, well, up. 
So the hidden, the claw on a chain, um, in Kung Fu movies, there's the, the flying guillotine, yes. right? The, yeah. the, the, basically like a bear trap on a chain, <laughs> yeah. just like pops yeah. people's heads off. And uh, there actually was a movie, uh, One-Armed Boxer versus the Flying Guillotine. So, so maybe Ishiwatari mm-hmm. saw that and was like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. What well, really cool well. we're talking, well, we have like Guilty Gear in the conversation, and AJ is here. Isn't Cliff also probably a reference? Yeah, I was just, yeah, I'm oh, sure. Yeah. This, this, this is one oh of my, my favorite God. characters because, right. yeah, he literally is like, quite, well, quite literally, is a dragon slayer. But like the sword in which he uses is a big reference to that. It's this giant, massive sword that this old man utilizes to fight these huge gears. But he wasn't even always old either. But like, yeah, they, they really are so similar in terms of fighting. I believe that they, I believe there is a very specific reference regarding this. Actually, I'm just kind of look this up. But yeah, like um, really cool character. I'm glad that you mentioned that, actually, Sean. Good, good job on that. But uh, yeah, it, it's just crazy just thinking about how specific that is i i think that there is yeah the, the weapon actually is called the dragon slayer there you go there yeah the weapon that cliff uses is called the dragon slayer it's nice. huge. a little bit more so, of a reference then <laughs> yeah much much more yeah. much more yeah yeah, yeah. But it's super super cool yeah um also and reminded the... me oh go ahead like like uh you know then monster hunter came out like in 2000 something but is like after you know guilty gears cliff and after you know a decade after berserk mm-hmm. um yeah the original monster hunter came out around i want to say what 2001 2002 but I'll, I'll look that up but yeah the 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 great sword right yep i put in earlier yeah. the great sword yeah <laughs> yeah let's talk really about really cool. that oh, oh 2004, 2004. Right. yeah yeah a uh, great sense of weight, like, and it's so huge that you have to, uh, you have to make sure the monster is still there once the sword uh, gets fit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You wouldn't, you you would not have the great sword in Monster Hunter without without Berserk, <laughs> and, and possibly by way of Guilty Gear because it, it looks even more like a Cliff's uh, specific uh, Dragon Slayer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really, it's really just so amazing to think about. Uh, yeah. it, I guess it it turns out that Monster Hunter Rise, the Switch version that came out, also has an armor set that is like pretty much guts. Oh yeah. really? It's called the um, the Kimura armor set. <laughs> One second, I will wow. I will post a picture of it. But like, <laughs> it's pretty pretty brazen reference, I think. Oh wow! Well, okay, yeah, very, very similar. Uh, that that uh, it, it's interesting how even we're, we're talking about references and stuff, but this game just came out um, like earlier this year, um, and they just they couldn't help it; they had to put um, armor sets in there that reference it. I, I've I've heard also that there's one that reference Griffith's armor as well, but I forget the name of it. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is so so cool. So many different references here. I, I mean, I feel like it makes a lot of sense because, like, uh, we we talk about a lot of like 
the same types of people. Like most people at Capcom certainly would have been influenced by these things. And, yeah. you know, Monster Hunter is the same same team and same DNA that's creating a lot of games like Devil May Cry and Dragon's Dogma and whatnot. So uh, it's it wouldn't even be surprising if the, the exact same people were working on this game and uh, wanted to put, uh, you know, references to Berserk in it. Definitely. Man, now I want to go through the old Monster Hunter art books to see if they have any like direct references. There's so many awesome armor sets. I think a lot of the same artists that work on Dragon's Dogma worked on uh, work on Monster Hunter in general. Uh, so that that would be. There's a lot of like weird connections when you start really looking into the history of a lot of Capcom's artists. And we're not even just talking about directors. Like sometimes it's just character or environment artists and stuff like that. They just like, they consume and love all this stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I just found this nice, uh, I just found this nice little in- excerpt here. Just about, um, <laughs> yeah, just about all some, some of the, uh, souls like games influences all the rest of it and how it is that obviously you know Miyazaki was um massively influenced and actually did end up confirming it like publicly apparently so yeah I've just seen that now really interesting oh thanks for sharing that yeah wow so so Hidetaka Miyazaki the 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 director of the the you know the Souls games like uh, it says he was 15 when Berserk uh, began serialization mm-hmm wow yeah, it makes a lot of sense that he would have come across this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he said Devilman and Berserk are at the top of his shelf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah, and really then cool of course, yeah, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And then he talked about tabletop role-playing games, RuneQuest, uh, George R.R. R. Martin. Yeah, but 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 Berserk and Devilman are, are, are top tier for him. Nice. Nice. Oh, uh, Andy, you, you posted a pretty interesting uh, monster hunter uh, monster. Uh, you you want to yeah. talk about that? It's uh, there's that lightning wolf from big monster hunter. I forget yeah, which one it first hunter. appeared in. Yeah. Uh, it's in Monster Hunter World, but like uh, normally it's blue and has like blue lightning, but then this variant has red lightning coming out of the eyes, and it's <laughs> you know very much that uh, the beast that is inside of guts that consumes him in his rage. Yeah. There's another Monster Hunter wyvern that like it is very much uh, guts in his berserker armor as a dragon. It has it's like got like black armored body. I'm trying to remember what it was called. Okay, so the one you're, you're originally talking about is uh, the Zenogre. The yeah, Zenogre. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a wyvern that was introduced in uh, Monster Hunter Portable 3rd. And then, yeah, yeah the one in third. Iceborne. Yeah, the one in Iceborne very specifically looks like the um, that, that, that beast. Uh, you know, it looks like a giant, demonic, uh, shadowy dog um, that, that, you know, that represents sort of the the monster within uh, guts. Um, is is there an official name for it? There 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 must be. I'm trying. I'm I'm blanking out right now. But it's it's this thing that speaks to him and and, and taunts him. You know, it, and it is very oh, much represents yeah. the beast of darkness. You know, his, his, yeah, the yeah, beast yeah, yeah. of darkness. 
Yes. Man, what a cool eye. Uh, yeah, that, that elongated uh, devil man eye is super cool. Um, and hey, Andy, you were, you were saying that the historical precedent for that elongated eye. You, you, you want to get into that? Yeah, like, uh, I mean, just that that super angry devil man face. It's like those uh, really, like, long eyes and, like, wow. the teeth underneath it. There's the, uh, like, super ancient, like, over 3,000 years ago, like, bronze artifacts found in uh, China called, like, the, the Taotie. It's like this... Uh, this beast that like devours in the dark. It's uh, like, I, I forget the exact translation of like uh, the way the character is written, but it feels like it's something that eats something. Yeah, it's it's a zoomorphic mask design. That's um, just these glaring elongated eyes and oftentimes like horns with it. Um, and now that I'm describing it, it, it's pretty much Zod as well. But um, it's one of the most ancient uh, uh, graphical motifs in, in Asia. This predates um, anything that y you might recognize as like a modern dragon. Like it, it's an even more basic sort of monster. And the, uh, the ideogram for it um, uh, describes like a, a beast that devours things in the dark and one of the earliest uh, written descriptions of it was like uh, it, it consumes so much that it even hurts itself, uh, which, my God, now that I think of it, that is the beast of darkness <laughs> residing within oh, yeah. guts. Dang. Yeah. Then there's, oh, wow. uh, there's bronze sculptures of like, like something like that beast of darkness either carrying a man and protecting it or about to swallow him or maybe both. And then um, that motif was also on helmets, so it would look like the wearer is like, has this beast like going over his head, yeah, kind of them, like, like when uh, when Guts is about to go berserk and the helmet reaches over his face. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that armor is so cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just found another Ooh, reference just so very much. quickly. It was, a, it was a Chainsaw Man yeah. reference, actually. We'll speak about this in the future, I'm sure, Chainsaw Man. But, yeah, um, oh, yeah. there's just a reference here of a... I forget, it's like the shark... It's like, it's like a shark man, like, devil in the story. And there's just a, an image here of, like, Genji shredding through a monster. And then, like, Goods shredding through, like, something else here whilst riding, like, Zod and stuff. And, yeah, just really, really similar and interesting to think about. Yeah, just in terms of, like, that panel, yeah. like, framing and all the rest of it. Definitely a big homage there. Yeah. Definitely an homage with the the reaction face in the side too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Same kind of angle as well as the cut. Like, yeah, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, we we're, we're oh, definitely that... definitely gonna talk about Chainsaw Man in the future. Love that, that guy. was yeah. such a cool fight riding, <laughs> like going yeah, through yeah. Uh, like, a, like a tornado and... sorts of, of of souls yeah. and like of, of like this is this this mess of uh, sinew and blood and all the rest of it. Yeah, just yeah. in terms of um, as well, in terms of uh, like blood and guts and all of the uh, like over uh, the, the graphic depictions of violence and stuff, Chainsaw Man can definitely be um, like tantamount to something like Berserk for sure. If you if you take a look at the ways in which it's like utilized and stuff, because it's a very 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 bloody um, series. 
I, I believe the Chainsaw Man author uh, was quoted a, a while ago um, before Mira passed. Uh, I, I think he said um, in his depiction of hell, like he, he could not help but be deeply influenced by Berserk and the uh, Eclipse. Nice. Like he, there's no way in avoiding that influence uh, for him as an artist. Mm. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. just a fun fact for everybody. Uh, while we haven't talked much about Chainsaw Man, the there is actually a portion of Chainsaw Man's original cover art on our other sister show, 3AM Games um, podcast cover art. Um, it's nice. uh, it's also a it's also a, a reference that influenced um, Hotline Miami's uh, promotional art style. It's a direct reference to Chainsaw Man. Oh, cool! I didn't know it. Cool. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, but we will talk about, about it later. It's it's great. Yeah. It really is just something about the way that a character can be kind of like too angry to die in a sense, right? Like you see Denji <laughs> yeah. kind of like go through that a ton of times, just like kind of, again, like just the way he's like framed here and all the rest of it, the way he's, you know, screaming and shouting whilst actively shredding all these enemies surrounding him. It's like, that's a very good thing to do. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a very, yeah. you know, whilst you've got your back against the wall in a sense, that was good when he was fighting a hundred men that night. Do you know what I mean? In that, yeah. in, that wooded, in that wooded area. And he was like, well, I have to kill 50 more of you guys before sunrise yeah. and see if i can do it and then he does it like that that's that kind of that's that kind of that, that feel that's that type of character yeah yeah, yeah uh, then I he gets the nickname yeah yeah century slayer i thought that was yep. so cool it, it, it's so fun to talk about because i mean you know this is a work of fiction but like it has such a it's so immersive and it's had such a deep influence on us that we, we can talk about guts as if he was like a historical figure, you know, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah. as if these things really happened um, because it is, yeah. it is that inspiring, right? It's that relatable, relatable and inspiring. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, cool. Andy, I think you, you found the monster in monster hunter. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the Gore Magala, the title monster of monster hunter four uh, on the Nintendo DS. And, um, it's got like this uh, black scaly body that's shiny and it's and then its wings are cape like it doesn't have like, you know, big firm wings. They're very flowy like fabric. So it really feels like uh, when uh, Guts is consumed by his armor, like his uh, his metal totally. armor and then like the flowing cape around it. Um, but uh, interestingly, like the armor set from it doesn't really look like Guts. So they went with one influence for the monster, and then like the armor you wear from it uh, is, it looks then it looks like the monster instead of looking even more like yeah. guts and berserker armor. There, uh. There's a there's a website. This this is random, but like it's really it's berserk related. There's um there's okay so there's this website called Kube, and you can watch a bunch of like random funny cool clips on there that people put together and stuff. But like this uh, one that I've just sent in here. It's 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 the first um, cube that I ever saw, and it's one of my favorites as well. And it's literally just um, well, yeah. You you will hear in the in the in the background, you'll hear some really really good music by some absolutely amazing people called Linkin Park. <laughs> yeah, it, it fits really really well just with uh, what it is that Guts is doing in this uh, in this scene. Guts is basically swinging around a sword. And then obviously, like you know, like lying from you is playing in the background and stuff. But it's just, it's just absolutely. It, it I've never seen two things fit together quite so well. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it's one of my, um, one of my favorite things to watch whenever I want to like get hyped and stuff. That song is just 
that song is otherworldly in the sense that it also kind of conveys a, a, an anger that I think befits Guts and Berserk, like the very worst part of you is me type of a thing. Like that, it, it, it's all yeah. of that. Um, it's all of that rage, that anger that we see within ourselves that reflected in other people or that we see other people's worst sides reflected in us. Like, it embodies that, I think, the song does. And then, of course, with a character like Guts, who better to put something like that on? Do you know what I mean? The character so, you know, like, embroiled in this rage that's almost, you know, never-ending, that, you know, stalks and kills in the night and in the day and just fights hundreds and hundreds of enemies and just destroys them all with this giant sword that he so masterfully wields and all the rest of it. Yeah, I, I, I'd implore anyone to, to watch this um, this cube that I've just linked in here. I think the creator, I think that they, they just go by um, Meteora on... Um, well, on, on Cube, but obviously that's another Linkin Park reference right there. But yeah, I think it's um, it's really cool just to see how well these two things go together. I just wanted to show you guys that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Linkin Park lyrics, they just hit you in, in the feelings of like, yep. I'm angry and there's nothing I can do that can mm-hmm. stop it. And uh, yeah. I think uh, a lot of Fall Fantasy 11 and 14 Dark Knight attacks sound like they might be directly from like Linkin Park lyrics. Mm. Mm. Like uh, Last Resort is one of the moves iconic of them. And then, uh, oh yeah, with Fall Fantasy, like the Fall Fantasy Dark Knights, they, uh, I think they appear in the series like after Berserk started being published. Because they weren't in like the first Final Fantasy, but I think they appeared in like the second or third. And then in the second Final Fantasy... Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, like uh, then there's like more like giant monster like armored enemies with huge weapons in Fall Fantasy onward after Berserk. Um, the Dark Knights became central in Part Four, right? With uh, uh, Cecil. Yeah. Cecil, yeah. Kane, and Rosa. And then, yeah. wait, yeah, like uh, Cecil is pretty much a dark swordsman guts, and then he becomes Griffith. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. I never thought about that until now. He, he yeah, becomes what no. people think Griffith is. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm, I'm sure no, 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 you, you no. all have heard about the, the recent uh, tribute, right, in, in Final Fantasy fourteen. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they, all, all the... Um, uh, after finding out that that Kentaro Miura passed, all the uh, the Dark Knights on Final Fantasy XIV lined up, and um, yeah, just formed these long, just flowing, flowing lines of hundreds, you know, eventually like thousands of players just gathering to uh, pay tribute, you know, because uh, yeah, the Dark Knight class, like yeah, it wouldn't would not be around without Guts, the iconic uh, Dark Knight. From yeah, Berserk, well, the Black this, uh, Swordsman. This episode, we'll post a lot of follow-up tweets so people can see. But they they even had the um, uh, a small fire in front of each one, and they all were holding the exact oh, same pose as well. It was there's a lot of there's a lot of videos and a lot of people walking, and I think that the the line of people was pretty much like it overwhelmed the server. Like they, it, you basically could just walk all, all the way across um, the world, and it pretty much didn't didn't end reasonably speaking. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Man. All right. Um, I got. I got. I got to wrap stuff up pretty soon. But uh, right, cool. 
I just found oh one gosh. more cool thing that was cool. <laughs> oh, yeah? What you got? Yeah, I was just checking out just the fact that um, what we're talking about, Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter is um, great sword attacks and stuff, and the fact that it like, captures like the, the movement and stuff so well. But I found some other art here, and it looks like this is from... Um, this is from was it Soul Calibur I believe, and yeah like one of the oh, characters yeah. from this yeah one of one of the characters from this is definitely doing the the classic uh, guts uh, smile there yeah right before they going just absolutely wild oh yeah. my god yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. yeah he's like uh, it's like if guts had no friends <laughs> hmm. yeah yes yeah Siegfried was definitely based off of guts with his giant you know. Uh, Clay, Claymore or whatever it is it, it's definitely more based off of the Dragon Slayer than anything like historic right yeah there's no real sword that that's big and, and heavy like more like a, a heap of raw iron than a sword Richmond <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah nice nice but yeah this is really cool I'm just having a look at some more of the art here and yeah it's definitely quite um, it's quite clear just how uh, just how much it's based on based on the, the classic Dragon Slayer there. I'm just having a look at some more pieces, but yeah, really, really cool. Really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, Siegfried is, uh, like Andy said, he's sort of a deranged version of, of Gots, right? Because his story in the first game was uh, he, he says he's looking for the man who killed his father, right? He's out for revenge. Uh, and then the, the, the twist there, uh, for, you know, for, for this 20-plus-year-old game is that he, he killed his father and he's in denial. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, there was another character in the later, uh, the later um, Soul Gallery games that I thought maybe might have been based off of Casca. Uh, it was a uh, uh, Hilda, I think. Oh. She, okay. Yeah, she's like this armored, uh, this woman in full plate mail, um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think she just looks. I don't know if it, it, she was actually based off of uh, Casca, but I remember the very first time I saw her, I was like, oh, that's Casca. A female warrior, the plate male, and um, I think she, she she's she's like pretty dark-skinned, too, compared to um, the other characters. Uh, I was going to mention that uh, I, I think there I think uh, there's another character, uh, Nightmare, that is a version of Siegfried, and I think mm -hmm. he's a, yeah. his design is a much more clear reference to to berserk like it, it, pulling the through line that we're definitely not you know m making connections where they're not uh, the nightmare version of him is much more yeah. <laughs> brazen about its references here yeah. seems yeah. that way for sure from what i'm looking at yeah definitely and then yeah. he's uh also well instead of a gadget arm he just has a big monster demon arm mm -hmm. he's like oh. if uh, guts became an apostle kind of yeah. Oh yeah, he is. He's the uh, an an apostle themed around his dragon slayer sword. Yeah. One more thing, really mm -hmm. quickly, the hunter's mark as well. That also looks like the brand of sacrifice. There you go. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh dang! Yeah, in in, in Bloodborne, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, very direct. Just in terms mm -hmm. of like from software, from software oh, things. What we probably could do a whole episode on all of the specific references. Like, there's yeah. multiple enemies in Dark Souls and Bloodborne <laughs> that are like 100% Berserk references. Uh, they're not yeah. even. They're not even. They're, they're like aggressively not trying to hide it. It's it's very yeah. very clear. Um, Definitely. Really cool. <laughs>
Yeah, this was fun. I can't wait. I can't wait to do some more. This, this was really enjoyable. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Uh, I, I guess let's um, you, you guys up for another round next week. Yeah, I'm here for, for it. More. Yeah. Let's yeah, do definitely. it. Okay, so today we we talked about the uh, influence that Berserk has had on on many things, and my we. we <laughs> Oh my gosh, like we've barely dipped our toes in all of it. But um, mm. I think next time let's talk about the things that influenced Berserk. I think we, we touched on that a little bit here, but uh, we, we can go a lot deeper into uh, just all the uh, d- deep, you know, uh, cultural, historical uh, references in, in Berserk because there, there's so many cool ones. Yeah, all right. I'm going um, to look up more. 70s and 80s fantasy miniatures because that's where like you have plenty of great giant swords oh but, yeah uh, yeah proportionally too yeah. if they yeah. came out in the right year yeah okay all right um okay so so that's it for today um yeah had a great time talking to everyone uh, as always um yeah, so th- thank you for listening to the Art, Art Eater podcast. Um, uh, hopefully, we're we're on whatever platform you like to listen to your podcasts to. Um, if we're not, you know, shoot us a message on Twitter. Uh, let us know, um, you know, what you think of the podcast. Uh, yeah, get, uh, suggestions for it. Um, so you you can follow along on Twitter at Art Eater Podcast. That's A R T E A T E R podcast. Um, and then if you want to catch up on all our old podcasts, you can also head over to the uh, Art Eater website. That's art-eater.com. Just click on the podcast section. You can see every single one uh, we've done. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm your host, Richmond. Uh, you, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Richmond Lee. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-D underscore L-E-E. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm on there way too much, but uh, just uh, shoot me a message. I'll, I'll be happy to, to chat. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, today was really fun. I, I, I love, love, I could talk about Mura and Berserk and all this cool stuff with y'all all day. Um, so please, everyone, let, let, let our listeners know how um, they can follow, you know, what, what else you're up to outside of this podcast. Uh, Sean, you want to go ahead? Yeah. Uh, I'm Sean. I'm always here. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Daborsk, D A B O R S K. Uh, as I mentioned, I, uh, spend a lot of time talking about PC gaming because I lead the design teams at NZXT. Uh, PC gaming is kind of a big deal for us. Um, in terms of following me, I, I'm currently working on a lot of a different writing, writing a book uh, uh, that's going to be um, about like, uh, you know, mobile and uh, how we permeate design into our lives. Uh, otherwise, I'm actually working on a few articles uh, about different games um, and specific things uh, that I think will be cool to look out for. Um, uh, otherwise, I uh, wanted to m- more call out that I'm uh, doing a lot of mentoring right now if you're looking to get into UX design or UI design via uh, adplist.org, which stands for Amazing Design People uh, List. <laughs> so you can find me on there. And of course, there's a ton of other great uh, designers, uh, design leaders, and talented people on there that are willing to kind of give some time to help people. Things like portfolio reviews, um, tips on interviewing, or just, uh, you know, getting reviews on work you're already working on. So I think it's a great resource. That's why I'm contributing to it. So I wanted to use this platform to call it out. So yeah, otherwise I will be retweeting uh, all of the, the tasteful things coming from all the fine people on this podcast. 
All right. Thanks, Sean. Um, Andy, let, let everyone know what, what you're up to, how, how they can follow you. Okay. Um, my main thing on social media is uh, Okuto Andy on uh, Twitter and um, also Instagram where I'll post pictures of where I travel around in the world or, or whatever I'm eating. Uh, Twitter, I usually just post about uh, art I like or like, you know, uh, I like uh, the Warhammer orcs that hunch over like Zangief. They're my favorite, but so few of the models are built that way. Where I'll talk about, oh, this Monster Hunter monster is based off of this yokai. Uh, this Pokemon's based off of this yokai or this, uh, you know, ancient Chinese document about how dragons evolve and they grow horn and then they grow wings and that's their full evolution form. Like all of these, uh, I guess my favorite thing to do is like, hey, that's this thing I like now. If I showed it to someone 3,000 years ago, they would get it because it's like, just a pass down or just common taste that that is appealing or like it just repeats and echoes oh, wonderful yeah and, and andy's so, been a uh, uh, contributor to art eater uh, from the beginning uh along with sean yeah. oh yeah also things i'm planning um i guess before the year ends i'd like to get my like fantasy rpg setting out like uh what I'm making right now is based on like the uh, historic European martial arts documents I've read from like uh, different writers and swordmasters and and like you know the way they lived in like the 1500s and 1600s they they did kind of think the world was magical because that was their understanding of the world or like yeah. you know even the time of like Queen Elizabeth you would think like oh like she was like very modern for a queen. But she had like a court calculator who could communicate with angels, like uh, that's the, the that's the, the reality and science of their world. So wow. uh, yeah, hmm. what? Good stuff. All right, uh, AJ, uh, what what are you up to? Cool, cool. So yeah, um, yeah, everybody, it was really good to be here once again and everything else like that. I had a great time speaking about this. It means a ton to me, and I'm glad you all got to listen. Uh, what am I up to, Richmond? I'm always out here sharing lots of really cool art. I'm retweeting lots of cool projects that other people are on that I'm also kind of on. I'm trying to get out there a bit more. So if you would like, uh, say hello to me over on Twitter, uh, at AJ Mattis. So it's at A-J-M-A-T-T-I-S. Um, yeah, I exist out here and a lot of people are starting to come through and say hello, which has been nice as a, you know, as a consequence of being on here. So I'm very glad about that. If you do want to come through, say hi, I'll say hi back and we can get to chatting on or possibly working on something. Uh, yeah, I do a lot of pixel art. I also love, again, I love martial arts. I talk about that frequently on this podcast. I'm looking to start getting back into the training life once I can. And yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll keep on updating people as they keep on seeing me and coming through and all the rest of it. But it was a pleasure to be on here once again and everybody take care stay safe and i'll see you all next time for the next episode all right take care everyone later peace out